0: You're going live first? We're not, no, no. Facebook live. We're that recording right now, though. You're in the introduction. You're gonna take the lead. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Pit Shack Podcast. Uh, tonight's episode, as always, is presented by Atnip Enterprises. John Farrell Racing Engines. He does small, small engines for go karts. Uh, we race his stuff every year in Lebanon. Always come home with a couple wins. And Metal Magic, their uh, paintless dent repair. It's Corey Pope. Uh, he sponsors Jesse Stovall's late model for the past couple of years uh, he's been a supporter of racing for quite some time so you should support him if you have any kind of paint or dent repair needs um, tonight we got where are you from in Iowa Decora. Decorah Iowa <laughs> Northeast Iowa Tyler Rinkin, he come all the way down just to be on the podcast with us tonight <laughs> so we thank him for being here kind of a spur of the moment deal I talked to him yesterday which would have been Sunday I don't know when this is going to air probably Thursday um I didn't even think anything about it when I talked to you last night. I asked you how long you're gonna be here, and then I was thinking like maybe we should go out, but I won't go to work if we go out. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> like, and today, I don't know why like, I didn't think of this yesterday. So I figured we'd get you down. Uh, Austin Johnson, we kind of threw it on him all of a sudden. He's not here tonight, but we did get Dylan Allen Condon to come, in. so he's got some good questions put together. <laughs> is what he says. I hope so. So, well, Tyler, you said uh, you gave us a little bit of talking points. Right off the get going, I always ask the cliche stuff right off the bat. Like, what's your background story? How would you get started? Why are, why are where you're at now? That's, I guess yeah. be a good way to ask.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I got, well, first off, I want to uh, thank you guys for inviting me down here on such a short notice. So it's really fun to uh, um, be able to share my story and, the, and all the other stories that have happened in the past couple of years. And obviously, I know you guys really well. So i um, really looking forward to the time that we're going to share here tonight. But, um, <clears throat> you know, for me, it started off uh, 2014. So uh, we have a racetrack back in, in Decorah it's Upper Iowa Speedway, um, USRA sanctioned racetrack, and uh, we have five weekly classes. But it's also the racetrack that I grew up on. My cousin used to race when I was younger, and uh, so I got to know um, drivers uh, back in back when he was racing. And this was when you had we had stock cars, hobby stocks, and bombers, which is basically kind of like a step down from like a pure stock, like a modern day like pure stock. I guess you can say. I mean, these are old, you know, beat up mm-hmm. race cars and everything else. And uh, so I got to know those guys when I was younger and stuff. So I've always been around. The, I've been around the sport. Um, and there was a time in my life, basically, I want to say when I was about a freshman in high school to when I was just a senior. So basically, my high school years where I actually didn't really care anything about dirt track racing. I never went to the races anymore because my cousin retired. Completely lost interest. Started doing more stuff with friends on the weekends and everything else. And then um, the summer of the sophomore year, going into into college, my freshman year, um, I like fell back in love with it again and some of the drivers that i knew were still racing at the racetrack so it was kind of fun to watch them and obviously things had changed drastically there was new ownerships in, in there and that was involved um drive new drivers different classes and stuff like that so to kind of relearn that whole thing was was a little bit overwhelming at first but then i started to get the hang of it and um <clears throat> fast forward to my senior year of college, so I went to college in my hometown um, of decor. I went to a four-year liberal arts school. I graduated with two degrees, a communication degree and an environmental studies degree, and um, not doing anything with my degrees. So, <laughs> so I literally graduated from college with just a big loan de- or a big student loan debt and two degrees yeah. and a handshake and walking well, across stage. To be fair, you speak well, so <laughs> <the> <laughs> communications <laughs> is working out. It's yeah, <laughs> And uh, um, it was the summer of the, summer of my senior year, like, excuse me, I just, I just graduated Luther, excuse me, I just graduated Luther. And it was that summer and, and um, I really wanted to find a way to get into the racetrack for free. So I knew, the, I knew the track owners, I knew the workers and stuff like that. I'm like, man, what can I do to get in for free? Because 25 bucks for a pit pass for a guy that just graduated college is kind of a lot of money. So I talked to one of my, um, excuse me, one of my Luther instructors and uh, she let me borrow her camera one night. And I went down and I started taking pictures of the racetrack. Didn't know anything about any sightings or nothing like that, you know, and stuff. And um, from there, it just took off. I got a camera, excuse me, I got a camera as a graduation gift and a couple of different lenses and stuff like that in the first part of uh, um, late June, early July. And I started writing articles for the Upper Iowa Speedway, Speedway um, to be shared on the USRA website about results and what happened and everything else. And that just kind of snowballed into going to Ironman races, um, with a local driver. Uh, he's retired now. Well, he says he's retired. I can never tell if he's actually trying to get back in the game, but Brian Webb. Um, and, uh, so I've known Brian for a long time. And so he hauled me around to all these races because when you run the Ironman races, he's also ran US USMTS races most of the time, or it was like that a couple of years ago. And I just started covering all these events <clears throat> and I just built connections and friendships along the way. Um, And just everything just kind of really fell in place and to kind of get where I'm at today.
0: So now you're traveling with USMTS. Correct. Yep. Are you, what's your title as? Uh, So Todd Staley gave me a title
1: um, back at the banquet, the national banquet last year. And I can't remember exactly what it is, but I would say that I would be more of a, um, content creator, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. a media content creator. So my job right, right now currently with, uh, with USMTS, first of all, it's a contracted gig. So, um, what I do is so I have a couple of other contracts out there, but, uh, this is obviously USMTS is my main one. Um, I basically cover their events for them. I capture photos and I capture videos and I'll use that content for the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, and then, Um, There's some, you know, sponsorship relationship stuff there that we'll work on and and gather and and really try to grow the USMTS name branding social media wise. Um, But also to, um, we'll use all my stuff to help promote upcoming races and, and, you know, we got the posters, the flyers, the videos and all that stuff. So that's kind of what the job title I guess you could say is, um, so we started that this year and, and this was my first year doing it, but obviously very familiar with the USMTS circuit, did a lot of stuff last year um, that wasn't getting paid for, but uh, um, so I've been around USMTS for the past couple of years and it's been great.
0: I got like an unrelated topic to your come up, but do you think that um, USMTS had lacked promotion until you stepped in because I know Joe talks a lot but yeah. he kind of says there's like zero hype in the, in the mid 2000s USMTS came down it was a big deal and then now it's like the hunt's starting right and you right. guys are promoting but in the past couple of years it's been not really anti to the start of the hunt which is what we're all trying to get to see Let's See, right yeah
1: it's um, it's kind of a gray area because there's when it comes to drivers and promotion and stuff like that there's like three different outlets you know there's the series which is usmts there's the drivers of the usmts and then there's a track that's hosting the vet mm-hmm. um my responsibility right now is to make sure that the tracks have the content that what they you don't know, want to do and and have that and i think i think what we could really do better um and it's not just usmts drivers in general i think this is just racing as a whole um and I talked with Joe Duvall actually about this last night, but uh, I think as a whole, drivers really need, do, need to do a better job of promoting themselves. I agree. And, you know, there's, in, you know, I'm not trying to pick on a, a driver, a series or a sanctioned body or anything on, on that side of things. But social media, like Joe said, social media is free. And, you know, there's so much access to what you can do on social media for sponsors, for your fans, for yourself. And it's more than just, hey, we raced, uh, you know, we raced Lucas Oil tonight. We got seventh in the heat race. We, you know, whatever. We started 15th in the feature and we got our way up to 10th. <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, that stuff is good. We want to know the results. But, you know, as a driver, it's like, hey, showcase a sponsor. You know, what is, what is uh, you know, what is Allen's Automotive done for you and how long have they been with you and everything else? You know, you got to show your value, and what to what a driver can bring to the table. Um, I did an article on Scott Benz for dirt, uh, dirt modified magazine, and it was a very interesting article. And, and Scott Benz as a whole, um, is a very interesting person it, and he's kind of, kind of weaned his way out a little bit of the dirt track racing scene and stuff like that. Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Scott was talking about, um, you know, the sponsorships and, and obtaining this and doing that and everything else. And he said, you know, the biggest mistake that drivers run into is um, when they go to a sponsorship, the drivers would be like, Hey, what can you do for my race team? Mm-hmm. And in actuality, what it should be what it should be is this is what I can do for you. This is what my race team can do for you. Yeah. And it's kind of hard for me because you know at the same time, like I'm 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 talking all this stuff, but I've never really gone out and sold sponsorships, you know, or, or for for my race car it's, or anything like that. For,
0: for me, it's hard, right? I don't know if Dylan can speak for it. it's. It's tough to ask because money's such a funny subject. It's hard to ask for it. Yeah, yeah. right. No,
1: for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Some absolutely. people
0: have no problems and they wear out sponsors, right? So that every right. every month they're they're wanting some more money. I mean, you do like the rest of us and try to roll it. I mean, so yeah. it's right.
2: hard to get connected with the right people too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, any mm-hmm. time you try it, you think you're gonna make a step in the right direction to get a contact that you think's gonna be beneficial. I mean, not I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing, but it just doesn't work. Right. And then you see someone that's burning that bridge with a with a guy that's putting money out, and it just it, it kills you because you know it's it's going in their hip pocket or it's going in something that's not racing related. Right. It just bothers me. It bothers yeah. it bothers everybody who sees it. It's just the way it is. Do you think? that there's almost a fine line though of being too redundant on your social media post poking your posting your sponsor because people are just going to be like, uh, is another blow hard. They're going to blow by your post. You right. think there should be a common, like a, a fine line of what's too much and what's, what's not? too much.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I, I kind of run that, I run through that stuff a lot, you know, on a smaller scale version with my photos. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure in my photos and videos, I want to make sure that there's an appropriate time to post them and how much I'm posting them because the analytics and, and everything else with social media is so bizarre, especially, I mean, Instagram. And this, I mean, this isn't just Facebook, it's Instagram, it's YouTube, it's Twitter. And you know, it's, it's so bizarre. And, and I've tried to read, read into it, like figure out when that stuff is good and when that stuff is bad. But at the same time, you know, um, to kind of, kind of answer your question, I don't, th- I don't think you can give sponsorship love enough. You know, I really don't think so. Like, yeah, so, you know, like your average guy, um, your average guy may look through that and just scroll down and see like, hey, this is where, you know, this is where so-and-so finished, and like, that's cool and mm-hmm. everything else. But believe it or not, I, I personally believe that there's definitely got to be people out there that are, you know, that are reading those posts, you know, to the full eight hundred, you know, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, I, so today example B was, you know, I just, the first time in Springfield and I went down to Andy's Frozen Custard. And obviously I wanted to go. I wanted, I want to support that business because I knew that it was a sponsor of Terry Phillips. Every time that Terry Phillips has an interview or, or anything else and he's thanking the sponsors, you know, Andy's Frozen Custard. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you can't, not When it comes to sponsorship, I don't think you can overuse that enough. On the flip side of it, like yeah, if there's a lot of content that you know is like not necessarily you know that you need, you know, you don't need to be posting a picture of your car in the shop like all the time, you know.
0: But uh, look at me, I I toned it down. (laughs)
2: Every single time he gets done working on his car, he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go." We're gonna go finish pictures. We're
0: gonna go here this weekend. It's a pretty car. Tyler says it's okay. You hear you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> if I could add to his point, I think if you do the same thing, you just post like the sponsor title on your page, whenever you have your results or whatever, it kind of gets redundant, but you right. can be creative with it. Uh, Midwest sheet metals right across the street. You know, if Chris Davis is helping you, maybe go in there and do a little Facebook live video. Hey, you know, this is Midwest That's sheet right, metal. This right. is what they do because it's an incredible operation and there's, you know, all of your sponsors, I think would appreciate that. And like what USMTS does with Casey's, I think is really good having the cars there on race day. Mm -hmm. Um, we used to do the same thing. My dad had a Wendy's sponsorship in Kansas city and it was really cool to just go at the legends, uh, Wendy's and talk to people all day and hang out and say, Hey, you know, we're going to the races tonight and it's people, you know, your chances of running into people that probably, they may not have even seen a race car before or know what's going on. Right. So being creative with it, I think is really important and it's, it's tough to do, but. Right. So, so, I mean, you say post, there's no such thing as overposting your sponsors,
0: but on the flip side of it, do you think that you you should post the same amount or more because of the analytics playing into that as well? Yeah, it's, Cause I may not if, see your posts until Saturday. Cause I do that all the time. I see Saturday's posts today. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. So.
1: And and that's, and that's part, and that's part of the reason too. It's, you know, the Facebook analytics, it's, you know, when to post it, how to post it, um, tagging people and, you know, and, and all that stuff. And like I said, I've kind of read into it as much as I possibly could or can and stuff like that. But the big, and the biggest thing is, is, you know, when it comes to the sponsor recognition and making your Facebook page, whether it's your personal page or your or a, a racing page that you have, no matter what it may be, is what what are you going to do on your page that's going to set yourself different from everybody else? You know, is a picture of you going through the corners at you know Salina? Is that going to stick out with Hey, this is how we did. These are our sponsors, and this is where we are going to see us next? Or is it just a basic,
0: just a real basic Facebook post that says Hey, this is what we're doing. This is where we're at, and everything yeah, else. I I just noticed that this past weekend it it could have had a, contributed to the new rap a little bit, but I attached a p- picture to my post, right. and it just you look at likes alone, that's views. It doubled versus my last one saying I ran second, with no picture, nothing fancy mm-hmm. to it. So there's got to right. be some kind of eye candy to it. Right. Is what you're saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely Attracting people. I mean, that's how I do my business. Is you catch people's eye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just some text. They're gonna see something about race and blow by it, unless they're directly invested in you or interested in you so exactly I under, yeah i see that now, go. i gotta ask what you, as a former photographer what's your biggest pet peeve as a photographer <laughs> I, well you make it can be multiple because of, i know there's several <laughs> there's several yeah. every time photographers get in the infield it's like a it's a big <clears throat> fest at <laughs> the first first 10 minutes yeah
1: and, it is it's uh man you know it's it's kind of hard um this is a PSA as well. Yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so PSA is public service announcement. <laughs> um, first of all, you know, let me do my job in Victory Lane, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I know you guys. I know, I know, I know the crew's excited. I know the parents are excited. I know the girlfriend's jumping up and down or whatever it may be. I get that. There's a lot of excitement, and that's awesome. I want you guys to be excited. I want the drivers to be excited. But ten years from now. You're not going to be able to look back on that on that cage stand shot, or you're not going to be able to look back on you climbing on top of your roof and getting, you know, you're not going to be able to look at those photos because somebody's in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, give us a space to work. You know, I, you know, like, yeah, we have to get these Victory Lane photos and send it out to the press and everything else. We have to get that. But when it comes to, like, creativity and the, and the time and, and all that fun stuff to get those really unique shots stand back yeah. because, and it's just, you know, I see all the time too, like weddings, we're really like, Hey, a lot of photographers are really struggling with people holding their phones out down the aisle and everything else while the bride and groom are coming down. That's the same type. That's the same type of stuff that, that we're kind of struggling with. And you know, it's like, I know you guys want to be in the moment and that's great. I want to be, you know, I want to be with you guys. I think it's great. Excited. I'm hundred ex- percent excited, you know, that I'm in victory lane with you guys too. Well, let me do my job because I know in the end it's gonna be better for you five six years down mm-hmm. the road
0: yeah When they mm-hmm. message you on Monday did you get any pictures of victory lane right like yeah I did but there's some right. people in the way. yeah great right. are your uh, your unique stuff like I don't know you guys have been kind of moving around victory lane is that premeditated or is it just something that happens it turns out good
1: yeah a little bit of both um, definitely a little bit of both um, you know I got a really cool shot of Brandon Shepard at uh, Praetor Classic uh, mm-hmm. this uh, this past weekend and I knew what I wanted to do because I did. I tried that photo with uh, uh, Nick Hoffman climbing out of his car, um, at for the modified features. Before that, none of those photos made to social media because they were blurry and out of focus. Like it was terrible. And uh, <laughs> you know, this is a side note. This is a side note here. But uh, actually, no. I'll get. I'll get to that side note. In a second. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, it's you can really. Um, I kind of have like a game plan, kind of like I know what I want to do, and, and the lighting at each track is always different. I always like to try to play with the lights a little bit, and you know I I know I know that Jake is gonna be really excited when he gets out of his car, and I know Rodney Sanders is just gonna do the friendly wave to the okay. crowd and everything else. So you kind of have to know the drivers a little bit and, and the sanction of the events and stuff like that. But um, so yeah, and, and you know of course um, the biggest resource is looking at all these other photographers across the country you know how are they what what how are they capturing the event and what you know how are they showing the event through their eyes and that's my thing is i want to go through and i want to show people like hey this is what my view is like for for victory yeah 11. yeah but uh so this is my side note and <clears throat> i don't know i have never really said this out loud i've told a couple people this before and stuff like that but If you look at my photos, like if you go through and look at my hard drive of all my photos and everything else, non-edited and everything, I'm a really shitty photographer. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm really bad. There's some really bad photos. And, uh, you know, like out of focus, like, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many times where like, I've like completely like missed shots. And, you know, and everyone, you know, the, the people, all they see is the really good photos. They see the really cool stuff, you know, and everything else. And I only, you know, I only do a handful of photos each night and stuff like that because there's so much time that goes into it. But if you like actually like someone actually got a hold of my hard drive and like exposed me to like National inquiry Media or something like that, <laughs> like
0: there's some really yeah. bad photos. <laughs> I, was, I only post the stuff that I was proud of because know, for, the right. reason, right. for the same reason, for the same reason, but I don't know, sometimes the bad stuff turns out pretty good when you go home. Exactly right. There's always a diamond in the rough that you've totally forgot about. But exactly, I, yep. I don't know, I've taken pictures. Not much. <laughs> looking back on it, man, I wasted so much. I just, you, you put so much effort into it in that night. And you yeah. You only use. Such a small fraction of it, you know. Right. So that's why you don't stand around and take heat race pictures all night long like I did. Right. All, and every week. The, same, sure. yeah, the it, and, and it definitely, it, picture
1: taking definitely transfers throughout the course of the year. You know, at the beginning of the year, it's like, okay, I need to get photos of this guy. And I need to get photos of his right side. I need to get photos of his left side. Like, how am I going to do that? Like, how am I going to accomplish that? You know, there's different rule. Each track has a different rule. Now, granted, you know, most of the tracks I go to, I know most of the people. So I kind of have that freedom to kind of do what I want, especially with wearing this USMTS official polo. <laughs> I, I don't really get kicked out of locations very much yep. or hardly at all. So I'm able to capture that stuff. But come now in August, everyone's shits tore up. You know, I mean, somebody, somebody has put on, you know, someone has put on, you know, our half a new body and the wraps are, you know, dirty and they're covered up and, and everything else. So like, so your photos and how you're going to do your photos are completely different than what it was in the beginning of the year, because at the beginning of the year, every, everyone's stuff is clean and, and, and good to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's a big thing is like adjusting to that, you know, it's like, and also too, you know, following the circuit with, you know, you know, how many photos of Ryan Gustin do I have? An absolute pile of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I go to the racetrack on you know on Thursday at eighty one Speedway, um, what can I take photos and obviously Ryan Gustin's a Casey's car and stuff like that, so that's kind of a bad example, but what can I do for Ryan Gustin and as his photos I haven't done this year? I have so many car photos of him and pan shots, you know, where there's a little blur to him. I have so many going through the corners and everything else. But what can I do now to take that to the next level to get photos I haven't got of, of Gustin throughout the course of the year?
0: You have very many of the, the national drivers buying stuff from you. Yeah, so for me personally, my business
1: isn't really focused on selling prints. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy when people buy prints and everything else. I think it's great, it's fun, and everything else. But my main focus, uh, my main focus right now, is to to make sure that my prints and my downloads and everything else are available for sponsors and for sponsor companies. So I really want to make sure that, um, you know, example of All-Star, so if All-Star comes to me and says, hey, I need, a, I need a photo of so-and-so, you know, where can I get that, how can I get that? And that's my main source is, you know, when I take the photos, when I take the photos, I'm not, people buying them are like, yes, that's good, I like that. But when I take these photos, I want these photos to be used on social media, I want these photos to be used in ads, um, in newspapers, excuse me, in print. Um, and I want these photos to be used By drivers for whatever, you know, for whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. All my standard stuff that I do throughout the course of the year is always at the beginning. Those are your hero card shots, your side-by-sides, whatever else. Now is the time where, like, I get a lot of that, like, really crazy, like, highlighted of a sponsor, like an all-star in the window net, Mm -hmm. you know, and, like, that little stuff, you know, and everything. Um, But my main focus is not necessarily selling prints. It's more having that availability of downloads for bigger companies of people
0: if you have a print like print media or not i guess not print media just media online that doesn't have your credit to them do you have any kind of like any kind of paperwork or anything <clears throat> like that because i know there's some people there's a couple photographers up north that that take that like life or death yeah you yeah. might you might know who i mean when, <laughs> when i say that but do you have any kind of clause or anything on that to where you can get a hold of them and have something done about it
1: yeah I, you know um this I have a I have a completely reverse mentality when it comes to that. I want people to use my work. Um, obviously, this is my career and this is the career path I'm currently headed down and everything else. But I'm a firm believer that to where I'm at today, with the USMTS and doing stuff for Eldora and doing stuff, you know, in Volusia and everywhere else and all that fun stuff. The reason to like kind of where I'm at today is because of the fact that I've been really liberal with my photos. Mm-hmm. I really get it. I really enjoy, you know, we we talk about exposure bucks and someone's like, well, you know, we'll put your name credit. So everyone's going to see that you took that photo. And at first, when I first started, I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Like, yeah, a hundred percent do it. Go ahead. Whatever. And now I'm just like, okay, that's fine. You know? And th- at and the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, yes, it's my photo and yes, I spend money on my equipment and yes, you know, all the time and everything else and every- and whatnot too. But at the same time, is that when somebody goes out and they use a photo of Jake O'Neill going through the corner and it ends up on, in the magazine and I didn't notify about it, like, yeah, it would be cool to get paid for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get paid 20 bucks, or 25 bucks and everything else. I raised it. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> you know, to, to get more. But, and ultimately, you know, who do you think is getting the, the benefit side of that? jake o'neill and that sponsor mm-hmm. and that's what i really like you know i want to i want i want to be on the racing team i want to be on this i want to be on their side of stuff if somebody's going to use my stuff heck yeah go ahead do it let me know that's all i want let me know yeah if you want to pay me that's great i'll work out something with you to get paid for sure absolutely because like that's my career path but at the same time it's like you know like yeah a couple times my photos have been used and i'm like hey that's that's my photo you know has it bugged me mm, a little bit not too bad mm-hmm. But I'm excited, you know, I don't want to hold my photos hostage. Yeah. And that's a reverse mentality. And you're in the photography role a little bit. That's a
0: complete 1,000%. Oh, yeah. That's why I asked. I want yeah. to know where you sit on that because there's some people that if you don't, if it's just the USMTS front page, it doesn't, it doesn't have any kind of money or anything at all. If they're missing their little gray name at the bottom right-hand corner, they start losing their minds. Right. And they'll share it on Facebook and let everybody know they took it. Yeah. And it goes both ways. Like, no, it doesn't matter. But, yes, it is cool. Like, right. So I used to haul ass home and try to beat Lloyd Collins, and you couldn't beat him. And the next day, if they did use my stuff, my name wouldn't be on it. But when they use Lloyd's, it would. Boy. It just <laughs> drive me crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, it drove me nuts. So yeah. I always tried to. I, there's. I don't know if, if does Buck do that now? Is he like haul ass to try and get stuff online? I
1: I, I think so. You know, and and Buck, um, you know, Buck is definitely a really great photographer, and his his style of work is completely different, you know, from mine. And, and, and Buck really goes after those you know really clear photos and that's just something that you know that's just not me mm-hmm. um you know, and 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 i really I, there is some really good photos that you know buck really takes and and i think of other photographers too you know scott gallbranson who also works you know with that deer creek scott gallbranson is He's ridiculous is, is absolutely so incredible yeah. and uh you know heath lawson is another guy that i really look up to and uh he's heath, he's worked with lucasola late models and you know bigger dirt late model shows across the country is just heath and i probably talk at least once a week and and his work is just second to none too and it's it's really cool to see a lot of these photographers because you know that they've put in as much if not more time than i have to get where they're at and, yeah. that's, and that's great um obviously with some photographers there's a territorials, you know, side of stuff and, and everything else too and I mean at the end of the day, it is what it is.
0: It's crazy how that stuff has transferred along with the racing. Like if you look at old old pictures of uh that people take, like Rick Schwalley, Lloyd Collins, Ron Skinner, uh Barry Linhart and all those guys, the the style of picture back in their day was kind of like the race cars back in their day. It was real square and tight. Yeah. There was not a whole lot of wheel motion. There was no panning back in the early right. 2000s. And then now right. everything's, the, the pictures have kind of transferred with the race cars. Everything's so different. Yeah. Because I was real big on taking tight stuff. I didn't want to post-production anything. I just wanted to take it tight. Yeah. And now, I mean, that's a big no-no because if you're wanting to get print sizes altered, you're shooting yourself in the foot. But right. now it's opposite I me. Mean, you want to try and get something off, like, out of frame or just crooked I just whatever well, something different so it's mm-hmm. just like the race card everything's transferred so far right but you I, I've asked about the Eldora deal before you got started What? that's cool to me how did you get your foot in the door with doing print? you're doing print media right or just your online media for them
1: yeah so um, I haven't been able to go out to Eldora for a couple of years now but I, I I have done some stuff for them in the past and did some stuff again with this year but so this is my Eldora story um, I The 2000, I think it was 2000, um, 2015, um, was the first year I went out to Eldora and 2015 was the start of the year when I started doing some work for three wide media. And, um, and I got to take a second here and Travis Cushion, uh, worked with Travis Cushion, um, was the, sorry, uh, but uh, Travis Cushion, I wouldn't be where I'm out today without without Travis Cushion. And Travis um, was the editor for Dirt Late Model and Dirt Modified Magazine for 3 wide, And I had called Travis and I'd never met him or anything like that. And I said, I asked him about you know like, hey, is it possible to get a media pass to go to Eldora? And, to me then like Eldora is just big massive the ultimate stage of like everything and it's everything that you know racers want to win at eldora you want to go to eldora because you have the biggest events and the biggest purse and such a history and everything else is behind eldora and um he's like yeah i can give you a pass and i was like what for like for real and I was, he's like yeah and i was working like a side job at that time and everything else and i went to my boss and i was going to be gone to go to canada fishing for that for like a week before to Eldora. And no, I'm sorry. The week before, it was Eldora and Then I went Canada fishing, so I was going to be gone for a week already. And I went to my boss and I said, um, I said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be gone. I have this opportunity to go to this race in Ohio, and I'm going to like take some photos." And she's like, "Well, when you get back from Canada, let me know because like you might not have a, might not have a job." And I was like, and "It was like a side gig. Like it wasn't. I hated it. Hated the job. <laughs> it was so stupid." And um, I was like, "Sounds good." You know, as I walked out of her office, went home, (laughs) packed up my stuff, and left the next day to go to Eldora. So I get Eldora and everything else, and I shoot the Dirt Late Model Dream. I was there uh, Friday and Saturday, and I was just, I was lost for words. Uh, There's three times in my racing career that I've just been, like, completely starstruck. Uh, The first time I saw Eldora, walking down the hill to Eldora. The second time was walking down the ramp at the Chili Bowl. And the third time was standing in the infield at Gateway Dirt Nationals during the, uh, um, during the driver intros for the, for the, for the modifieds mm-hmm. that first year. Um, but anyway, so, anyways, so I, go, I go to Eldora and I capture the event and everything else, the dream, and I, and I find out that I'm supposed to send my photos into the guys named Jonathan Bateman, who's kind of like the media person there. And so I get home and I emailed Jonathan. I said, hey, you know, like I've never really done this before. Like, how do I do this and everything else? And he's like, oh, we well, got enough photos. It's like, you don't have to send stuff in. That's fine. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, man, I, I killed it this week. I have some really good photos. Like, I want Eldora to see that. So I sent him, I was like, okay. I said, that's fine, but I'm still going to send you my photos. So I knew if I sent him my photos, he was going to look at them. So I sent him my photos, and there was probably like 120 photos for like two days. And he emailed me back, and he's like, dude, this is incredible work. Like, I really liked it a lot. And I'm like, heck yeah, like, this is awesome, you know. So I called Travis up. And I'm like, dude, like, Eldora loves my stuff. Like, this is great, you know. And small town kid going to Eldora, you know, <laughs> starstruck. Didn't know anybody out there. I didn't know anybody out there. I didn't talk to a single person when I was out there at all. And, um... So then I was in kind of a constant email with like Eldora, and they're like, Hey, we want you to come back out here? Like, we can come back out and stuff. So the next year, I went back out for the King's Royal and for um, the late model dream. And first of all, the King's Royal is freaking incredible, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's everything at Eldora is just great. And, um, so I started building up the relationship with outdoor and working with Jonathan and everything else. And then we started doing some stuff for like social media. Like I created some like templates for them for like social media and Photoshop that they could use for like racing. Um, my photos ended up on their pages for like sponsors and souvenir ads and like all that stuff and sponsor programs. And then, um, you know, and then we started talking. So this is my third year. I think I designed like parking passes and the suite tickets. So I designed I've, for the last few years, I designed the tickets that people use to get into the suites and stuff like that. So it's been great, but the way the schedules and stuff has kind of panned out for Eldora, I haven't been able to get out there, but I still have a really good relationship with them and, and I hope to get it back out there for sure next year. But, um, it's been, it's incredible. It it yeah. really is. That's awesome. And, and, um, like I said, you know, going back to the, to, to Travis cushion, Travis, uh, passed away uh, about a month and a half ago. And, um, without Travis giving me the, those credentials for Eldora, that ultimately really opened up, you know, everything. You know, I can put Eldora down on um, information, like where I've shot races at before and stuff like that, you know, and and to, when people see that, they're like, hey, that kid's good. Yeah.
0: You know. The, um, the, the Eldora credential stuff probably was a direct foot in the door for Gateway, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was – yes. Yeah, so Gateway was, it was a direct door in the Gateway. It actually, I, I'm a firm believer that
1: was probably – um, Eldora was probably like, like everything, you know, um, when, you know, cause they just don't have media passes out to, you know, to anybody. Yeah.
0: It's hard to, it's hard to get stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, um, again, you know, going back to like that snowball effect, like, Hey, this is kind of like how I got started and just kind of kept going and going and going. And Travis Cushion and Eldora was an absolute key to that. Yeah, so
0: that's, that's awesome.
1: And by the way, when I went got back and I emailed my boss saying I was back in town on that Monday, she emailed back saying I had to come back into work. So yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, I don't say if I got fired. I'm pretty sure that's not it. I was going to leave anyway yeah. like at, and then, at, at the end of the month. But uh, so yeah, I was, I'm glad that I left because obviously if I stayed there and worked for those four extra days before I left for Canada fishing, I probably wouldn't be right here where I'm at. I thought you were going to tell me that she said you were fired. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be
0: a, the American dream story. Yeah, there. right, yeah. <laughs> she's
1: like, well, i like, to well, fire you. And I'm like, well, that's good. You don't have to because I'm leaving, you know.
0: <laughs> he went out on top. Yeah. I, I keep on asking, like, how'd you get started? How'd you get started? How'd you get going with... If you got with kind of got your foot in with Racing and Dirt and Trenton before you, yeah. SMTS, did were they able to get you in with the were you did Todd get you in or did Jeff get you get you in?
1: Well, so so it's Racing Dirt stuff is actually really funny. Um, so 2015 was a big year, I made a really big leap from 2014 to 2015, and then 2016 to 2017 was even bigger, and then just you know, kind of got bigger out of that. So the fall Jamboree 2015 uh, was the first year that I met, uh, Trenton, Barry and and Austin. Um, and those two guys obviously are the head honchos for race and dirt. And obviously I knew of Racing dirt. I knew what they did. And I, you know, was a subscriber. I watched races and everything else. So it was that Saturday night after the fall Jamboree. And, um, I went up there and I knew Cole Queensland and Justin Queensland. I knew the Queensland family. I started to get to know them and everything. And, um, I introduced myself to Trent and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is me. I'm Tyler. I do some photos, blah, 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 whatever. And they're packing like all their shit. I mean, they have like boxes, like, you know, it's like massive totes and electronics everywhere and everything else. Like Trent just like didn't care. I'm not saying that was what he did, but he just, he didn't blow me off. Like there was 10,000 things on his mind right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he just like ran a really good USMTS race and everything. So, um, so I went up and, uh, I, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm Tyler. I do all this stuff and everything else. And he was like, give me a business card and, and and whatnot. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, I'm going to email him. So I go back and I email Trent that next Sunday or that next night, that Monday night or whatever it was. And I said, Hey, Trent, really nice to meet you. And I just graduated from college, blah, blah, blah. If you have any use for me or anything else, whatever, just let me know. You know, was, I get photos, videos, whatever. Like I'm, I want to go in the sport. Like I want to be in the sport. And Never heard back from Trent. Never emailed me <laughs> back. <laughs> and um, I thought it was like, I kind I was like, man, I can't believe I got blown off. You know, like, something the wrong address or whatever. Well, then, so that next year was that first year. Um, sorry, this took place 2014. 2015 was the next year when, we, when the, the Battle at the Bull ring and Humble Speedway took place. And then I met them, you know, again, you know, and stuff like that. Well, then we started kind of... Side note
0: on that. That was the infamous... First heat one of that dude running down the front stretch. I got big, yes, so, yeah. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> that was the first year they did it. Yeah, yeah. Heat one, one. The guy yeah. ran down the race. Heat one, yeah. turn one. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. So,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> so then I started, I started to a, a, you know, so I started work with them or whatever and one thing kind of led to another and, and everything else and we really grew this really good relationship with, I really grew this relationship with Austin and Trent, or Trenton and and, um, man, you know, I put Travis cushion up there at the top you know, and stuff like that, but with Race and there with Austin and Trent, I mean, they're, they're right there. I mean, they're just a step below that. Um, and they, they were the ones that really gave me that really opportunity to really showcase my work with a lot of people and not only for pictures, but video and stuff as well. And, um, again, you know, it's just snowballed and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here today without them. You know, that's, they're just another piece of the puzzle and. I, we've shared so many funny memories and stories along the way with those guys, and it's just been a joy to joy to work with them. But
0: Is Todd Staley the devil? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think he's cool. He's always been super nice to me, but he's yeah. got lots and lots of opinions on him. Man,
1: you know, that's the thing, though. I mean, you're working with like 4,000 racers and sponsors and everything else. Not everybody's going to like you. Yeah. I know there's people that don't like me, and there's people that I don't like, you know, and stuff, but um, but yeah, he's Todd's been a good guy, too, and you know, Todd's one of those guys that you know took really took a risk with me this year to you know help you know promote his brand and and everything else and and whatnot. But um, so I'm gonna go jump a step back here about Humboldt. <laughs> what was that, that what was
0: that guy's name? I know
1: you know him. All I remember. Long, he had longer hair, and he's from Oklahoma. Yeah, and he raced like a Southern sport mod.
0: Yeah, he, he was, oh, a it was. kinser Edwards?
2: Edwards. Yeah yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So,
1: so, it was, it was funny. <clears throat> so I'm in the infield in turn, in turn one, uh, excuse me, three and four, where it's best lit humble, and they, you know they wad him up down in, in corner one, going to corner one, and this kid comes running <laughs> down the front stretch, and I'm like, I'm like. I'm not going to take photos of this, I'm going to take fricking video of this, you know? <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. So I flipped the camera on the video and I'm filming this kid running down the front stretch, right? And he goes and he just, he's his helmet and it just fricking so loud, just chucks his helmet at the, guy's, the, the side panel of the guy's car. And he's like, takes down the guy's window and he's like throwing punches like, in, the, in the door and everything else. And I'm <laughs> videoing this and I'm like, I'm literally thinking like, holy shit, like this is going to blow up the internet. Like this yeah. is going to be fricking awesome, you know? And so then this guy, it was funny, and so this guy, I would say, is probably you know, this guy who threw the is probably about your size, Dylan, which is you're not very you're not a big guy. No offense, but you're, you know, five, he's, five he's, eight. He's
2: pretty big now. He's pretty big he's, now. Yeah, okay. he's like a bodybuilder. Okay. Yeah, okay, he, so before then, well, let's go. We're this about the now. same age, I think. Yeah.
1: And so this guy gets out of his car, and this guy is like six, three, yeah. six, four, right? <laughs> Towering this kid. And this kid, like, you can see the kid kind of like back off like shit. Yeah, I just like. I just basically woke up a sleeping giant, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, it's like, it's stupid too. Cause you see all the time, like drivers like punching each other, but they're punching them in the that head helmet. with their helmet. on. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you got the track officials who are like pulling the guys away and stuff like that. And, um, I was like, dude, I was like, so great. And I told Trent and Austin, I was like, dude, I got this whole thing on video. Well, then, you know, that night you go back on social media and it's, somebody had taped it already I'm from like their TV screen, which is <laughs> yeah. blowing up social media. And I'm like, well, wait till you guys see my point of view of this whole <laughs> <Right>. thing. <laughs> so I actually still have that clip. I have still have the clip. It hasn't surfaced anywhere. I never really shared it or anything like that. But I, I, I should dig that out. That's that yeah. was a good kill up. <laughs> yeah,
2: I wonder if I don't think Trent and them would use that in any promos, would they? No, but Ryan Wentworth at Humboldt's like, dude, it needs to get him something. <laughs> that's <laughs> we, about as about. as Battle of the Bull Ring as it gets. Yeah, that's man. the race. Yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some people that're ready to fight.
0: Yeah, every heat race at that at that race there. Yeah. Does Ryan, you you know Ryan pretty pretty well? Does he get into stuff like that? Does he kind of enjoy it because it creates hype, or does it does it bother him?
1: I, I you know Ryan is such a stubborn, tough nail to <laughs> for anything. Just shows no emotions about anything, and um, I think it's great. You know, it, it's dirt track racing, and the one thing I think was really unique about Humboldt Speedway in you know Southeast Kansas is that. It's really blue collar, you know. There's a lot of really hard-working individuals that that are part of the track and that race the track and everything else. And it's a really blue collar community. I think Chenu and Humboldt and Iola are are you know blue collar, hardworking Americans. And um, I think it's just part of what it is, you know. And uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, two. I think it was yeah, it was last year. So we are at the USMTS race last year in August. And um, and uh, they're racing these the factory stocks down there, right? And there's probably like 12 of these guys. And the, it was probably one of the best races I've seen all year and these guys are on the, you know they're battling out and they're banging, they're banging they're banging they're banging and the guys cars are tore up or whatever takes a white flag they're coming out of four and the leader and the guy that are running second just completely wads the entire field up coming out of four right the guy that was running seventh I think won like six or seventh, like I think he won coming out of four right so these cars are on the front stretch and there's fans coming down to like there's fans on the fence and they're like you're like you know like you, you suck so bad like F you F that you know and everything else and I'm like I, I was like oh my god this is a, like this is This is everything. This is Americana, dirt track racing. (laughs) Like this is like what I want to be a part of. Like this is what I want, you know. And you don't see that. You don't see that in USMTS or World of Outlaws or nothing like that. You know, this is the true hardworking Americans that go from you know probably five thirty in the morning to like seven o'clock at night for a job, you know, and stuff. And it was great. And to me, that was just it was an awesome moment seeing that. I texted Ryan and I said, "Dude, I said that was probably one of the greatest races like I've
2: ever seen. It was awesome." (laughs) It's but, good to see that emotion. I mean, right. no one's trying to kill each other, and you know, right. it's, it's just hard racing, and like you said, they work so hard to get there, right. and it gets emotional,
1: right? And, and winning, winning to them is is everything. Yeah, and that, I think that's awesome. I really do. I, you know, I and I think one of the, one of my favorite things is going to these racetracks and watching drivers that you don't know because you don't have a perspective on them mm-hmm. or you don't know their background story or anything like that, and they get so emotional about different stuff, and that's awesome. Like I love that. I love that, and I wish drivers would show more. You know more emotion on that side of things, but
0: what can you guys do in USMTS to get your drivers a little bit more fan? Not saying they're hateful. There's more out there. Yeah, and and no, you're you're
1: definitely right. That's a really good question. And uh, excuse me, Joe Joe Duvall and I talked about a little bit last night, and I think the biggest thing is is that we just we really gotta we really got to get people excited. And that's both excited to race and I think that's excited to win. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, going back to Scott Benz, we talked about Scott Benz a little bit earlier on Um, when I did this article. He said, I remember him saying he's like, for every future win, no matter what, no matter where I'm at, how much how much it is to win. He's like, I can go out there and win watermelon seeds. I don't care. He's like, I'm standing on top of my roof because when you're excited, then the fans are excited. And that's what I want to you know, like that's what I want to bring. You know, it's, it's so hard to win a USMTS race. Obviously, there's drivers that, have won, that you know, have won a lot of them, and that's great. That's awesome, and I hope you, I hope they win more. But there's so many drivers in all sanctioning bodies all across the country, and it's not just in modifieds. You know, those are the factory stock guys from Arkletech or whatever they are, wherever they're at, be like, man, how cool it'd be to win a USMTS race. Like you have to realize, you have to realize like how fortunate you are to to, to win a USMTS yeah. race.
2: Every
0: step of the way, every race. step up, there's someone in the class below you thinking, "Damn it, I wish I we could we do, do that." that right. mm-hmm.
1: and it's not only with USMTS. You know, it's it's every sanctioning body. It's IMCA modified, It's IMCA stock Cards, It's UMP modifieds. Whatever. Like, get excited to be in victory lane. You know, because you're racing against how many other guys that night. Yeah, you ended up in victory lane, but what about the 15, 16 guys that you beat?
0: Yep. Terry Beckham had a good quote a long time ago uh, about winning USMTS race. He said, Winning weekly races are good, but you outran the best that were there that night. He said, If you win a USMTS race, you outran the best. And, yeah. And then, like, uh, Rodney Sanders isn't going to be humbled by winning because he's an animal, but <laughs> right. you want to see something. I mean, I know you're, I know that's why I'm asking, like, what, right. what can we do to. Uh, there's, a, there's a line there where the fans don't know when to leave him alone. And, but there's times when they need to be approached and they don't get approached, or the drivers push them. They don't push them off. They just don't interact very well. Right. And the drivers get enough of people coming yeah. to them at the wrong time. Yeah, that's if they're the thing. if they're working on their car, don't don't mess with them. Don't mess. They're, with working. Them, right. they're working. They're working. Those guys are on the road. They're they're working. They're racing for a living. Right. But after the races, if they're just hanging out, go go talk to them and hopefully the driver will come yeah. back. And you can't really, I guess the sanction body can't really police it. They can encourage it. Exactly. You can't fine a guy for not talking, but I don't know. They can, I mean, there needs to be some encouragement right. to make the average fan as a kid growing up know if someone's approachable. Right. Bill Fry, uh, Kelly Schreier, growing up were always approachable. Mm-hmm. Steve Kinzer was the, the most approachable. For sure. Mm-hmm. He would just yank a kid out of the crowd. Like all these adults standing around, he'd grab you by the collar and bring you to the front. So people knew that. But if you go to talking to a Rodney Sanders or anything now, you walk up to him and stand there for 10 minutes and they're not going to say anything to you. I just, I don't know how you fix that. And that's yeah. just a part of a personality of a driver too, but. Right.
1: No, for sure. And, and you know, there's so many unique personalities that I work with, uh, with on the USMTS tour and stuff like that. And I really wish, I really wish we can get to that point. And, you know, I mean, there's so getting to know the drivers to where I've gotten to know them, you know. I'm in a snap group. I'm in a snap group with Rodney and a couple other guys and stuff like that. And I mean, it's fun. I mean, they're they're great people. They really are. And you know, they're really funny. We got to you know to get to know them. And Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing that that I always stress to the drivers too about you know getting excited to win and getting excited is that there's fans here that come to watch you tonight. So if you go out, if you go out in your car, and this isn't like I said, this I'm I'm not talking specifically for USMTS. I'm talking just in general. There's fans here that are coming watching you race tonight, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, and you go out there and you win and you just act like it's just an average race to you, they're not excited. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're going to they're go home and think, oh, yeah, that was, you know, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, you go out and you win a $200 Hornet feature at, at or a Sport Compact feature at Humboldt Speedway, and you go on your roof and you have your family there, your mom, dad, girlfriend, wife, whatever, and... Or both, or both, yeah. Or both, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know you're standing on top of the roof. You know they're excited and they're like, dude, I can't wait for next Friday night.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: And I think that's the biggest. That's one of the biggest things that bugs me about dirt track racing is like, man, you freaking won. Like, get jacked, dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You see it all the time too. I think yeah. it Shows little kids too. I mean, like, if they want to grow up and be a race car driver,
2: and they're seeing them not, they're acting nonchalant about it, and they're not going to get excited the because they do. Right. Yeah. I.
0: I used to be real stingy with trophies and then now like if, if I can I'll try and just find some kid that I have no relation to at all and give it to him. right and then maybe that might excite them it might excite the parent and something someone's yeah. gonna get happy about it the, maybe the,
1: the younger generation is
0: it's key it's key yeah. it really is growing up I would i would do everything I could to get <clears throat> enough money or talk my dad even to, to bring me to Bolivar on a Friday night and I don't know jaron martin's the only kid that i know personally that is excited about going to the races i don't really know any kids do you dylan that are just wound up you don't even see a bunch of kids after the races in the pits on big events it's more yeah it's a little different it's more adults
1: (laughs) after the races big events
0: i oh man i love <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love those street a race weekends
0: <laughs> yeah, whenever the humble announces big races and you're coming to town it's like propaganda ranking, ranking <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> in, so. do they i i think
1: they love me down there as much as i love them like i i love i love humboldt humboldt uh, humboldt humboldt for me i think is number one on my list for for a variety of reasons and uh I mean, there's so many tracks that I can put up there for number one and so many different events and stuff like that, but I just, I just I can't take Humboldt down from there.
0: Before I ask you about, uh, maybe not Humboldt specific, but three-day race stuff, I want to throw out a couple of USMTS guys and you give me your best story. Okay. You got anything on Derek Ramirez? Derek Ramirez. Um, there was a night in Baytown, Texas that Derek Ramirez come to life. That's the only reason I asked that, and you've had to have seen it at some point. I haven't. I haven't. No? Uh, I haven't. No, I think. I think Derek. Uh, you
1: know, Derek. Derek is. Derek. First of all, Derek's having an awesome year. He's currently second right now in the national championship, and um, it's Derek's one of those guys that I've really gotten to kind of know this year and stuff like that. And and he's really he's a really funny guy. Um, but uh, I I've, I don't really know a whole lot. Of, you know about Derek. Other than the fact, I guess he was a hell of an athlete. He's kind of talked a little yeah. bit about it. Like, he's, I suppose he was like a, he, he said he was like a really good baseball player in college and everything
0: else. I want to tell a
2: story about him. I've got one. Yeah. Okay. And it kind of ties into the athlete part, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah. R- remind, when you go home, ask Trenton Kay. about that. He'll, he'll know. <laughs> okay. So go ahead, Dylan. Uh, Owatonna, Minnesota, Steele County Fair. Did you okay. ever go to those races? No, I've never been. I, and the track's no longer there, I don't think. That's sad because that place was amazing. This is like the biggest county fair in the country, I think. I mean, it felt like the Kansas State Fair almost, but real big racetrack, real fast. And we get there the night before. I think we ran Decorah actually, or Decorah rained out. Okay, we went. There's like 2007 Hunt or just somewhere around there, and they were going around in the fair. And Ramirez is there, and Brad McEwen is crew chief, and Brad's son and. Cory Drifts. There's a bunch of us, and they had a dunk tank, and the clowns in the dunk tank were as mean as you could imagine, making fun <laughs> of people. And they were making fun of Brad McEwen. He's a pretty big guy, and he's like, "Those better be light cigarettes," and <laughs> you know, making fun of him. And they started making fun of Brad McEwen's kid for having a real big nose. So finally, Brad gives him some money to go up there, and I can't remember how old he was—about my age, so sort of 13 or 14, maybe. And he goes up there to try to dunk him and he can't get it. And the clown's just pissing him off. Like, oh, you just missed it by a nose. (laughs) Rose's like, oh, you got to hit it right on the nose (laughs) and just egging him on. So finally, um, Brad gets Derek up there. And Derek is, like, a major league pitcher. (laughs) I mean, this guy's unbelievable. And he probably dunked him. I think he got 15 throws. I think he dunked him, like, 13 times. (laughs) He was just toying with him, just pretending to throw it away, and then dunk him again. And they were all making fun of him. And we came back the next night and walked through there by the same clown again. And he wasn't near as happy. He yeah. shut yeah. up. He's like, oh, crap, i this guy But, I mean, I think they, they had a clock one, too, and I think he could throw it, like, 96 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. 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 Derek's he's he's basically got the, a major league pitcher. Right he's now. got the figure. That yeah, was, right, for got, sure. He's
0: got that figure. For sure. Okay, I thought I was going to get something out of Derek Ramirez's deal because the Baytown deal, him and Jeremy Payne were – out, oh, of, man. out of control i can't imagine out of control <laughs> well i asked about lucas earlier but we'll skip lucas uh, rodney i've seen him at cedar he was at cedar lake i've seen a couple pictures of him hold the drink and i've seen <laughs> the the fat head thing he made at yeah the, so <clears throat> well so <laughs> so
1: rodney i would say rodney's probably um aside from lucas shot who I've gotten to know really well in the past couple of years and really grew a really fun, great relationship with, with Lucas and, and his family and, as a whole. And um, besides, besides Lucas, I think Rodney was that next one. And um, I really got to know Rodney a lot last year because I traveled around with Lucas and Riley for the USMTS when they were touring around. And Riley Hatfield, which was Lucas's uh, former crew chief. And so I got to know Rodney really well. And um, Rodney's, Rodney's quite the the jokester. He likes to get a lot of people joking. So this stems off, <laughs> so this stems off of uh, last year, we were at Mississippi Thunder Speedway for like their fall nationals or whatever. And I'm standing there, it's Tyler Wolf, it's Tyler Wolf parked next to, it's like Tyler Wolf, Rodney Sanders and Lucas Shott. And um, I'm talking to Lucas and his like phone is like ringing like nonstop and we're like talking and it's like ringing. It's like unknown numbers, whatever. He's just ignoring it. And finally, like he answers one and he's like talking to this guy. And I, like Luke's kind of like laughing a little bit. And then he like hangs up his phone and then he's like, so apparently I have like goats for sale, like free baby goats for sale. And I was like, and like John shot me, Luke's dad. Like we looked at him and we're like, like what <laughs> Who are you talking about? And he's like, so apparently this guy has seen this ad on Craigslist that, I had like free baby goats and it had it had um Luke's phone number on it and it had Luke's address in Chatfield where it was at. <laughs> and for like the entire night, people were calling and leaving voicemails like, hey, I'll I'll take the goats and It was like nonstop. Dude. Like it was a massive. It was like 25, 30 phone calls. More demand re- than I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was re- goats. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So then we find out that it was Ronnie. like so Rodney Sanders like put this ad on Craigslist of Luke's information that he had like free baby goats. So like Luke has been trying to think of like different ways to like get back at Rodney or whatever. And I had this really hideous photo of Rodney that I took at Mississippi Thunder earlier this year. And I was talking with, um, I was like laying in bed one night. It was like midnight, one o'clock and my phone goes off and it's John shot. I'm like, why, why the freak is John shot messaging me at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. And he's like, dude, we got to do something with that photo? And I'm like, Okay. And I was like, well, Luke and I already kind of talked about it. Like, what can we do? And then we're talking and stuff. John and I were talking about it, like putting it on, you know, Luke's racing page. Cause I helped manage that a little bit. And I was thinking, I was like, man, we can play like, you know, pin the, pin the nose on Rodney. Like we can stick his head like on the USMTS hauler, blindfold people, spin around <laughs> and put the nose on Rodney. Like, I think that'd be really fun for a lot of people. And then we're like, yeah, let's do it. So we had this, we had this big fat head made of Rodney or whatever, and there was some rain that was involved in Cedar Lake for masters this week and there this year and stuff like that. And we just, um, we just decided just to put it on the shot hauler and just had it out there. And next thing you know, like it went to the party arena with us on Friday night and I lost it. Like I lost it. Like I don't know where it went. And I'm not saying alcohol was involved. I mean, yeah, it was, but it, like, it wasn't. So like I lost, I lost his fat head. Like I went, when I left that Friday or Saturday morning from the, from the the party arena at four thirty, five o'clock, whatever it was. <laughs> I did not have Rodney's head like with like anywhere. Like I don't know who took it or something like that. So then I go and we get done. We get done Saturday night racing. We, the, everything's done. People are leaving. I go to load up my golf cart, and I have my golf cart trailer is like in the back far parking lot at Cedar Lake at Masters. I don't. Most, I don't know if anyone's ever. Some people are listening there, but it's a pretty organized facility, and I'm like all in the back. My trailer is like away from everybody, and I go to load up my golf cart, and Rodney's fat, like Rodney's Fathead is like on lane on top of my golf cart trailer. <laughs> Like, I don't know how it got there. Like, I don't know who put it there. I don't know, like, who, you know, or who made the connection that this was, like, mine or, like, ours or whatever. So I still have it. So it'll probably make more appearance somewhere. But so that's kind of the backstory (laughs) to, like, the fat head. We still got to – Luke's still got to do something because those baby goat phone calls, like, (laughs) lasted a long time. (laughs) You need to
0: tuck that face away just nice and neat until the banquet. I know, right, yeah. That's that's good. (laughs) Makes Todd come up with something, give a certificate. Right. Or something like that. And I thought of an idea, and
1: I don't know, I don't want to say it, but I kind of want to, He's but... He's not
0: going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: think I think you're okay. I, what, so I thought of a really funny idea, and I think, uh, I, I don't know what they're called, but have um, you ever seen stuff that elementary kids, they'll like, get like this stick, you know, like a stick figure with like this flat, I can't remember, they call it like fat something or flat, flat Stanley. Flat Stanley. Yeah. And then like mail it to like all of these places, you know, and like take pictures with it and sign it <laughs> off. So I was like, dude, like, man, I, I can, I can mail this fat head to like Jonathan Bateman at Eldora and then r- take a picture of like, Rodney's head at like Eldora and like hey send that to send that to you know some other track Yeah. and all of a sudden Rodney's head shows up at like 50 racetracks across the country <laughs> with pictures I think that would be freaking awesome
0: you need to get on the ball and see if you can get it that's, it's almost too late now to get it to these hunt tracks that would be like promotion picture from the racetrack this, yeah that would be a really Rodney, good idea yeah USPS featuring Rodney Sanders all mm-hmm. it up. right that would be awesome Yeah. that's yeah. a good idea the flat Stanley deal would be a good idea so well I, well Jordan Paul wants to know when we're going live. Oh, uh, so yeah, he, he's got some questions. Perfect. We'll go. I don't know, we'll go in ten minutes or so. I'll put something on Facebook. But go. I want to go ahead with your favorite Humboldt story. My favorite Humboldt story. Something specific because I know you. So, got it. Yeah.
1: So I got, I got. two. I got two favorite Humboldt stories. So, <laughs> uh, so we're in Charlotte last year for the NASCAR banquet because Humboldt's NASCAR sanctioned. And we're down there. It's Tanner Mullins and, you know, a couple other people and stuff like that. And we're at this bar, this Dale Jr. bar. And there's, like, hundreds of people there. It's packed. You know, Bryce Hall's there and and Keith Sanders and Liz from Salina. And, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of people I I knew there a little bit. But so we're at this big bar, and they're singing. They're doing karaoke. And I'm wearing, like, a Humboldt Speedway shirt, you know, and stuff like that. So everyone knows I'm part of Humboldt Speedway. And, again, like, Ryan Whitworth is, like, really – soft spoken, you know, like he doesn't really get <laughs> bugged by a lot of things. He doesn't really show a lot of emotion and they're singing karaoke. And my favorite thing to sing for karaoke is we're to start the fire by Billy Joel. Dude, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know that I would have guessed that one. <laughs> I brought the place, I brought the horseshoe casino down um, <laughs> on a Tuesday night in Vivian, Louisiana, while we were there waiting to go to Arklatech. It was state, it was, I can talk about it in a second. But so anyway, so I love we didn't start to fire about Billy Joel. I know every single word to it. Don't you have to look at the screen or nothing? You want to go to
2: Friends tonight? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> karaoke bar in Springfield. Perfect.
2: Sign me up. Oh shit. I need to get a side of that. I think. <laughs> oh boy. And it's uh, a good one too. I i sang it at
1: Rackhouse. You know, that Shadina Rackhouse did it here So I go to Whitworth, I look up at him, I said, Hey, I'm gonna sign up for karaoke. And I, I'm serious I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go sign up for karaoke, and he's like what? And I was like, I'm going to sign up for karaoke. And he's like, dude, you're not going to do that. He's like, now that humble shirt on, and I said, like, no, it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to sign up for karaoke. He's like, what song are you singing? I said, we didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. And he's like, he's like, dude, you're an idiot. What? <laughs> he didn't, there was an F word that was, you know, oh, before yeah. that, you know? <laughs> and I said, no, it's going to be great. Like, I'll do it. I'll sign up. And he's like, no, don't do that. He's like, there's so many people here. Like, it will be really embarrassing. I'm like, that's fine. So I walk across the sta- I walk across like the stage and the, you know like the big karaoke thing and I mean there's like hundreds of people in this place, right? So I go to the the DJ guy and I said, Hey, is this free sign for karaoke? And he's like, Yeah. It's like cool. I was like, I'm gonna sign up. And he's like, Well, he's like, We got about eighteen people in front of you, so it's probably gonna be about an hour and a half to two hours. Are you can be here a long time? I said, Yeah, we'll probably be here. You know, it's like eleven thirty at night. So, yeah, we'll probably be here. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, well, here's a piece of paper. And he's like, sign your name and put your name down and then the song you're going to sing. So I take the paper and I write Tyler Rinkin, and I write down below it, I said, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire and then put Billy Joel for the artist. So I gave him the paper and he, he, he didn't look at the paper. He looked at me, he's like, so? He's like, what song did you pick? And I said, oh, I'm going to sing We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. And he like turned to his left and he looked at the computer screen and he looked back at me and he's like, you got 30 seconds, you're up next.
0: <laughs> and I'm like,
1: and I'm, like, I'm like, perfect, I'm ready. So I'm, like, standing there, you know, and this girl just gets done sing- singing this, like, really shitty version of, like, Sarah Evans. I mean, it was, like, horrendous, right, you know? And so she comes walking over, and she, like, gives the mic to the guy, and the mic- guy gives me the mic or whatever. And he's, like, all right, man, go out do your thing. So I get in front of this stage, and I'm, like, looking out, and the words are, like, up on the screen and stuff like that. But you don't need them. I don't need them. Yeah. And no one knows I don't need them. And so the song starts, and, like... Boom. I'm like down on the floor. Like I'm, I'm singing to like people, not even looking at the songs. People are like at their phones out and I can see they're like Snapchatting because like the lights on the phones are like shining and everything else. And I mean, dude, it was freaking crazy. I bought like Dale Jr.'s bar had like literally was like five stars because of like how good this karaoke performance was. <laughs> just, just killed it. So the song gets done. And I go back and I give the guy the mic, you know, like nothing happened. And he like looked at me. And he's like, dude, he's like, I put you next because I thought you like, you were just going to be like awful. Like I thought it was, I thought it was like a joke. And I said, no, I said, this is my favorite song. Like I, I know every word to it. And I like walked away. And so that next morning we had like a promoters like meeting thing or whatever, you know. So we get in, it's like eight o'clock. Everyone's hungover. I'm not, I'm Jack. They just gave a performance of a lifetime. <laughs> And I'm, like, getting, like, eggs and bacon and stuff like that. And this, this lady comes over, and she's, like, standing next to me. And ironically, like, I'm wearing the same shirt I did last night. Even though, like, I'm not as intoxicated as what a lot of people I were.
0: I wasn't hung over. You yeah. wearing the same shirt. Sure, yeah.
1: And I'm, like, you know, a guy packed really poorly or whatever. And she, like, looked at me, and she's, like, and Ryan was standing right there. And Ryan didn't have a whole lot to say to me after I sang. And so, like, Ryan was standing <laughs> right there. Yeah. And uh, the girl looks at me, and she's, like, she's like hey. She's, like did you sing karaoke last night? And I was like, yeah. She's like, she's like you, you, you sang that We Didn't Start the Fire song. And I said, yeah. She's like, oh, man. She's like, that was the best performance I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks, you know, and everything. I was like, it was good to go. And so I'm like getting more like bacon and stuff like that and like eggs. I'm getting like pulling this door out the apple juice. And this guy who's like running the, who's like running the meeting, like promoting the meeting, like comes up and he's like, dude, he's like, you rocked that place last <laughs> night. And I like look at, I like look at Whitworth and Whitworth like look, shakes his head. And he's like He's like, dude, you're, he's like, you're a freaking idiot. And he, like, <laughs> he like walks away. <clears throat> but uh, no, that was great. That was probably my favorite, one of my favorite, not uh, humble related, but non humble related stories. And the other one um, was uh, two years ago at the King of America. I got completely like really intoxicated, really badly intoxicated. The turning point for me was I had a shot with, with John Allen. And I'm not saying I'm the only person <laughs> that's ever had a shot with John Allen, but like it was, it was a straight thing of crown. And I mean, it was bad nothing good happening after that (laughs) no no not at all and uh so i had a pit meeting todd staley and janet and john and i mean there's a whole bunch of people in ryan Whitworth's shop and there's this steps i go up to the stairs whatever you know and i found a crown bag and i go up and i go to the up top of the stairs and i'm swinging the crown bag around because staley that's how staley does his pit meeting so i'm swinging this crown bag around and i said i was like all right everybody gather in gather in and i said you know we have you know 26 stock cars we have 34 b mods and 29 us mts modified and excuse me i just i gave this pit meeting and everybody was laughing it was like the greatest thing ever you know and staley was like pissed he's like dude go to bed and i'm like no i'm not gonna go to bed like i'm giving this pit meeting <laughs> And still to this day, like, if you ask Ryan Woodworth about Tyler Rankin's pit me at Humboldt, like, he'll be like, oh, dude, I got to show you this video. I think <laughs> someone has a video of it, but, oh, God, it was great.
2: I don't know how you ended up that night, but I think that's the same night my dad stayed the night on his shop floor at the racetrack on concrete. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably most likely the same night. <laughs> we live eight miles away from the track, yeah. and he didn't even make it home.
1: Yeah. No, it's, you know, I I, I don't ever really... I'm not much of a, a partier. I don't really go out a lot. You know, my friends, you know, it's just kind of the way that we grew up. Um, you know, we never drank in high school. And even when we were in college, we never really drank either. And so um, so when it comes to like, to, to, like drinking and partying, it's, I'm still not really green about it. But it's something that I just never really do. I, there's only about five times a year that I drink. And it just happens to be at every Crown Jewel modified event, which is weird. <laughs> but like, so, you know, like those Friday nights are just so much fun. And I think that's kind of what really kind of helps me too a little bit is that i'm like you know i go out and I party with these guys and, and drink with them and get to know them aside from you know the, the fire suit and the racers and of course i mean there's so many different stories that have come up before with you know different stuff and, and partying and whatnot but um yeah it, it's great it, it adds a whole nother element to it for sure
0: absolutely i'm gonna pause
2: this he kind of answered my questions already i was gonna ask about um your Biggest event that you've done, or any yeah. event you mentioned, the Chili Bowl and Gateway, yeah, Eldora,
1: yeah. yeah. You know, <clears throat> I'm I'm so fortunate and so lucky to have covered a lot of really great events, um, the Wild West Shootout, the Chili Bowl, um, been to Volusia, Daytona 500. I was down there this year. Um, oh, really? didn't, didn't necessarily cover it to an extent, but I you know I did some of that. Um, I took some photos and stuff and I was down there, and of course Kings Royal and the Dream, and I was just at Furberry last weekend for PDC and. Um, you know, there's so in Knoxville nationals last year, each event is so unique and so different than every other one. And there's so many great things that make each event, um, to what it is. And, uh, man, I tell you what, um, I think pra- the Praetor classic at Fairbury is definitely really kind of taking its toll for me for probably the number one spot, but really? man, there's so many great events that are out there. There really is. Jackson nationals is another really fun one that I, you know, that I cover. And, uh, Jackson is my second favorite track in the country. Um, the facilities and everything else that I've seen, and the upgrades that that track has made, has just been super, you know, fantastic and stuff. So, um, but I'm really fortunate to have seen and done a lot of really crown jewel racing events across the country for sure.
0: What's uh, <clears throat> I put the title of this live stream is DJ Rink Nasty. Yeah. Where's that? Where did <laughs> where's where's that come from? Origin of DJ Rink Nasty.
1: <clears throat> well, so. Uh, we had a college bar in our hometown called Roscoe's, called Scoe's, and Dirty Bar. Like, not like, it sounds really bad, but it was like, like really grimy, dirty. Like, it was only really cool when you're intoxicated to Diet be in bar. there. Kind of, pretty much, yeah. 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 And uh, they were looking for a, a, a guy to be a country DJ for Country Night on Friday nights, which was the first Friday night of, of every, every uh, month. And I knew some guys that were working the DJ booth, and they are like, yeah, just get a playlist on your iTunes and just go in and just play it. So I'm like, all right, cool like oh yeah you get paid 50 bucks um, at the end of the night but also too like you get you get free drinks and you also don't have to pay a cover to get into the bar and you get a plus one and you get to the front of the line when you're not djing and this line's like out the door dude like it's massive right and i'm like hell yeah like i can definitely like sneak in a girl you know like how cool it is like well baby you don't have to pay like i got you covered we go straight to the front of the line so like i utilize so like i utilize that like quite a bit you know it was like it was you know when i wasn't djing so that's where I came from. It was like DJ Rink Nasty. And I, all I did was I played country songs on Friday night. But I, I took it to the extreme. Like I had a cowboy hat, wore, bet, or wore a button-down shirt, <laughs> nice jeans, boots. I mean, it was, that's, that's where it comes from. But uh, that was some of my finer days in, in, in college, Is I guess. Is your
0: parents over the top as well?
1: No, <laughs> no. Um, I don't
0: know where this comes from.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, people have said my sister and I are a lot alike. But I don't ever. I'm, when I'm with my family, I'm pretty, pretty low-key. Um, you know,
0: I could probably say the same when I'm with my dad. I don't act like I do when he's not around. Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really low key. You know, I just, you know, I'm, that's the way my family is. And I think, you know, I think it's true. Like I have a, I have a cousin, uh, cousin Michael, and I mean, like, so my sister's wedding is in November, and it's gonna be really interesting because we haven't really had a family wedding in a long time. And our family, I feel like our family's like everyone's so nice and polite and low key when we go to like family gatherings and everything else. And if finally like this is gonna be a time when everyone's gonna cut loose. So I have a feeling it's gonna be a complete shit show. <laughs> but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, so basically our family's like really low key. We're not I feel like we're definitely ourselves, but we're not, if that kinda of makes sense.
0: So Joe was looking for you to be on here. I don't think he's joined yet. So that now's your chance to call your shot on Joe Duvall. Joe Duvall? <laughs> anything to say, to get it before he gets on here. Man, I don't uh
1: I don't uh I don't I don't, I don't think I have I mean, he's a good guy. Um, I talked. I just talked to him, you know, last night. Hell of a promoter. He's only promoted, you know, like five races in his entire life, and obviously he gets cars for that. But I you know, uh, you know, last year I did this uh, really special piece on Joe for the Dirt Modified and um, traveled around with Joe for a week and you know spent some time in, in Claremore and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see his operations and um, and that side of stuff and, and to, to spend time with him and, and visit all these. Um, you know all these other race tracks and, and stuff like that so but uh, he's really knowledgeable he takes social media to an extreme and uh, <laughs> if half of these guys out there and I'm not talking specifically modified USMTS guys I'm talking about everybody if everyone could run social media like he does maybe just two or three notches lower then then I think we'd be all right <laughs>
0: Hey, okay, well, so you got nothing on Joe. This is your chance to throw uh, Todd Staley under the bus. <laughs> no.
2: so, I want to so, nice. hear something. <laughs> so, okay, So
0: I got. So,
1: you know, that now. I was just talking about, first of all, we're Facebook Live, right? Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, hello, hello, everybody, Facebook Live. <laughs> so, I kind of already talked about Humboldt last, or two years ago at King America when there was a lot of alcohol that was flowing and stuff like that, and I finally blew up at Todd Staley. And I was holding a grudge from Todd's Daily for like three months, and I finally had the opportunity. The Crown Whiskey like made me that made me be who I wasn't. So two years ago at the banquet, um, two years ago at the banquet, the Maristar banquet for the USRA uh, Nationals, or, excuse me, USRA and USMTS. And I love craps. I love playing craps. I'm not like a, I'm not a big craps guy, you know, like Todd is and and, and stuff like that. And so. Um, I was like, I got a hundred bucks. Like, that's my limit. I know what my limit is. That's what I'm going to do. So I go and I see Todd is throwing the dice next. So I go up and for those of you who don't know how to play craps, like don't roll sevens like ever, like you roll sevens, you lose your money, you're out the door. And so, um, so Todd is a really good, really good roller. And it's him, me and like three or four other people at the, at the craps table. And I go up and I cash in for a hundred dollars and I get my money back and I put all my $100 all my $100 on the table and I'm like dude I'm gonna win like 150 bucks 200 bucks like this is gonna be really good like it's gonna pay for my hardies at 3 o'clock in the morning like this <laughs> is gonna be really good so Todd takes the dice and he rolls his first roll which was like a 6 or something like that so the table's open so now if you roll a 7 like you are like you lose all your money like don't roll a 7 okay so Todd takes the dice and he's like talking to like five people behind him. You know, he's like not really into the game. And I'm standing there and like my life savings of $100 is on the Ameristar craps table right now. <laughs> so Todd takes the dice, he picks them up, he throws them out at the end of the table and ends up 4-3, freaking 7. And he like turns around and like walks away and he's like talking to his people. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I just lost $100. Like I was pissed. Like I was so pissed. And I, I held a grudge for him for like, for like three months and I'm like, dude... I'm like, you costing me a hundred dollars. Like I went in, I put I bet my life on you to win me money. <laughs> and you don't even you didn't even care. You know, like you didn't even care that you rolled a seven. You didn't even care that I lost hundred dollars. And like so I like all this is built up. All this was like built up, you know? And then so when we go to Humboldt for King of America on that Friday night you know, we had been drinking and everything else. And I finally, like, I gave it to him. I told him, was like, the, I was like, I'm so freaking pissed at you right now. I said I had $100 on the table at the Maristar, and this is a Crown talking, this is a Crown Royal and Mountain Dew <laughs> talking. And I'm like, I had $100 on the table at the Maristar, and you just blew it. Like, you didn't even care about it. You just like walked away, like that, like f you, you know, like all this stuff. And like he was laughing about it because it was a funny, you know. And, and Todd and I have a fun, funny relationship and stuff together. And he's like, I'll make it up to you. He's like, I'll give you. He's like, next time I'll give you $100. bucks, i will give you 100 bucks. And I'm like, No, you won't. Like, you won't do that. You know. And I was like, pissed. <laughs> So then so then we go to the Ameristar. I was at the Ameristar uh, for this year's banquet and I'm standing at the craps table and Todd's rolling. I like look at Todd and I'm like, You dude like you're gonna screw me over again. And he like looks at me and he looks down his chips and he pulls out a black hundred dollar chip and he just slides it over into my thing. And he's like, There you go, there's your hundred dollars back. And so I took my chips and went and cashed out.
0: Uh, we were in Las Cruces, and Ruth Stone said the acronym for USMTS is "You Screwed Me, Todd." Daily, <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm, you've, I'm sure you've heard that before. I thought that was pretty funny. I,
1: you know, Todd, um, it's been fun working with Todd this year, and and um, he's very knowledgeable about the sport, and and very knowledgeable about track conditions and drivers, and and everything else. And I've definitely I have learned a lot from working with USMTS and working with Todd this year, and. And honestly, I mean, I can't thank I can't thank them enough the op- for the opportunity to um, travel with them this year and open up, you know, their haulers and you know their their homes and, and providing you know with a place to lay my head and food and stuff like that. So um, I'm definitely forever grateful for that. And but that was just a little hiccup in the history with <laughs> yeah. with me losing 100 bucks. I got it back, so it all evened out. Right? Have
0: you had any thoughts of uh, like? Moving into the promoter role, maybe, someday?
1: So, I've been asked that a couple different times, but believe it or not, and um, it's definitely crossed my mind a time or two. Um, I definitely don't want to be taking pictures and videos for the rest of my life um, to kind of move up that totem pole. I do think that it is a position that I feel like I could potentially be pretty good at. Um, cause I know a lot of people in the industry and I feel like I can talk with a lot of people, you know, gaining sponsors and, and stuff like that. Um, but yes, it, it has crossed my mind. Um, I don't know where or when or how or anything on that side of stuff. Um, but yes, it's, it's, it's been talked about.
0: You messaged me at the beginning of this year talking about driving a race. This car, car. I know. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that.
1: I know. I, I was like, man, I want to hear Ryan's story a little bit more about, you know, how, you know, how he got started. And, and uh, you know, I I've I've been in the the sport long enough. Now it's like I, I kind of want to try it. I don't know if I'm yeah. gonna be any good, but like I kind of want
0: to try it. Well, it is I fun. To, it's fun to try, <clears throat> but it's a it's a step in the wrong direction. I yeah, think no, I, yeah, I know. I promise.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny. I think I mentioned this to you too. You know, and I'm not. I, I respect everybody that drives, but man, there's some guys that are out there, and I'm just like
0: weapons. Dude, I'm like, hey man, <laughs>
1: like I already know. I've never sat in a race car, but I'm like, man, I feel like I might know a little bit more about how you're driving your car right now
0: Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> like they got to the racetrack but when they got in the race car it all got forgotten yeah just, yeah <laughs> it's unbelievable how uh, i don't know <laughs> i don't know what you had something to say dylan no oh, i was right. just
2: gonna say there might be something to it because you're obviously a pretty good race car driver i've raced with um heath lawson on iRacing, and he's phenomenal yeah
1: he, he he's <laughs> he's always sending me snaps oh i got second El door i did this and i'm like dude like I dove with him. So Hudson O'Neill, when injured last year, he took Heath camera out for a couple of spins at Knoxville and everything else. Very good photos, by the way. And, um, I told, I texted Heath and I was like, dude, Hey, if, if Hudson O'Neill is borrowing and using your equipment for like photos, like this, this is a two way street, man. Like you should, <laughs> like you should take up on this opportunity to like, you know, get behind a wheel of a late model. He's like, Oh no, I don't, he's like, I don't know.
0: Have you got a chance to drive anything yet?
1: I haven't. Um, I haven't, uh, my friends back home and everybody, they've, um, you know, we've, we've done some like go kart stuff and indoor go karts and everything else. And um, I think the weight ratio is off a little bit. So I'm not as fast <laughs> as I think I could be. But uh, um, no, I, I haven't. I would really like to uh, just, just to see what it's like and to feel what it's like and, and everything else. And um, I always joke around, I always joke around that someday I'm going to win the King of America. I'm like, you guys give me a lot of shit for me being me and doing what I've done and everything. But I said people are gonna really lose their mind when I win in the King of America in five years.
0: <laughs> we got Luke. I didn't ask you earlier about your Lucas shot story. Um, he's in here now. So. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, so. Lucas, what's up, buddy? <laughs> so you got any, anything good about Lucas you can throw out there?
1: Uh, when I first met Lucas, I think he said maybe like two words to me, maybe three at like the at the extreme and. Um, You know, Luke is a Luke is a really talented driver, and he's um, getting married this year and stuff like that and um, You know so they're really the shots are really focused on the wedding and stuff and rightfully so that's great Um, But uh, you know we travel I travel around with Luke a lot last year with with Riley and Luke and and so really getting to know um, Luke on the racing standpoint, but also too like on the friendship side and stuff like that and I've spent a lot of time with with the shot family um, after um, or you know, in the off season and, and stuff like that. And like I said, John like will randomly, John will be Lucas's dad. Will randomly text me at like one thirty in the morning, like, "Hey, I got an idea." Or, Like, he's like, "What are you doing?" Like one time, I got a text from John like three weeks ago. And he's like, "Oh, I see you're still up." And it's like one thirty. I'm like, "Yeah, I see you're still up too, John." <laughs> I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Just driving down to Texas, getting a new dog." And I'm like,
0: Getting a new dog?" Yeah, yeah, they
1: got a new dog. I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so, you know, thanks, whatever. But um, as far as story goes, you, you know, Luke. I mean Luke's Luke, he uh he doesn't really I mean he parties a little bit and you know have a drink or two and stuff like that but um I don't know we, I was out in Vegas uh, last year when he drove for Justin O'Brien at the the Duel in the Desert and uh I don't think I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my entire life the night that all of us went to the Stratosphere. I got a photo on my phone of Luke like getting like shot off in like the the you know like the rocket thing and mm-hmm. he just looks ugly like it's it looks great (laughs) it's gonna circle back around at some point like he's it's gonna it's gonna um it's it's gonna happen ronnie's gonna get a hold of it yeah yeah that's (laughs) what's gonna
2: happen
0: i want to know uh you you kind of know you look i cannot talk you kind of put out your favorite racetracks uh without hurting any feelings can you put out your Across any series, I guess it'd be more fair, not just USMTS, but your top five drivers in order.
2: Who's yeah. number one?
1: Yeah, number one. Um, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I, it, this is a really tough question for me because, you know, I'm so, friends with so many different people and there's each driver, you know, has like a really unique driver and I respect all the drivers and everything else. So I'm going to say, I'll say, I'll say to start this is that um, we have a, Nope. Cross, crossing your fingers, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, no, not for me. Because, oh. Dylan, if you say Bloom or Samus Van Dill, he's going to turn the table over. He's going to be so happy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> dude, <laughs> I, right. uh, dude, recently, I've been a huge Brad Sweet fan. Um, yep. I think Brad Sweet—he's just been an animal in what he does in Victory Lane with like his hand things. Like I don't know what this is. What, what was are you, I know people can Lane Frost.
0: Yeah, Lane
2: Frost yeah. reference. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I think I, I Brad Sweet has just been an animal this year. So I've been really kind of toning in on, on on his liking and stuff like that. You know, a lot of these bigger guys. Um, you know, Brandon Shepard is an animal, and Bobby Pierce is so incredibly fun to watch too. Um, I really like, you know, if, you know, depending on the style of racing, I think Chris Rebel and the midget's absolutely so silky smooth at the chili bowl and, and everywhere else. But, you know, for me, um, you know, locally, um, there's a mod racer back home. His name is Kyle Anderson and I've become very good friends, um, and, um, with, with Kyle and Crystal and Crystal's his wife. And the Anderson family has done a lot for me, um, has taken me to racetracks, and that's who I spend a lot of my time with when I'm not at the racetrack. So I gotta give a really special shout out to, you know, to the, to the Andersons, Kyle and Crystal, and, um, you know, again, the shop family and what, what they've done for me and helped me get to kind of you know, where I'm at with mm-hmm. Lucas and John and various opportunities, you know, and that, that side of stuff. But, um, you know, if it's a really wet racetrack and if there's a really big cushion, like Ryan Gussin like all day long Uh, like I'll love that and if it's you know dry slick and if he's out front and he's working through traffic Hunter Marriott is an absolute joy to watch so I mean each driver's um you know Zach Vanderbeek on the same thing too you know Zach Vanderbeek you know way he wheels down through the bottom on the on the slick racetracks too is incredible so um but uh, I really enjoy I mean any type of motorsports when it comes to that and there's definitely some favorites along the way.
0: He's beating around the bush on this Bloomquist yeah, one. you know,
1: <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's crazy too. You know, like when I started like four years ago, like I didn't even know like who some of these people were. Like I, mean, I knew like Scott Bloomquist and stuff like that. No clue who Bobby Pierce was. So I was like, what? Like who's that? Mm-hmm. I went up to um, Cedar Lake in 2014 for the USA Nationals, and um, somebody was talking about like Bobby Pierce, and I was like, uh, like who's that? I, like I don't know who that guy is. And they're like, oh, dude, like you, you know, red race car 32, you know, and everything else. And I'm like, nope like this I have no clue who that is
0: so oh, it's raining freaking hard no one's asking any questions and Joe's ditching out on us here oh, oh. man oh. who finishes second the most often in Be Lucas Oil Speedway a little trivia question <laughs> yeah that would be Ryan Gilmore right there And <laughs> <laughs> Dan this is your direct call out for the podcast you kind of you, you can't give me a cold shoulder when I message you so we're gonna <laughs> we're getting you dylan said you want to do it but i think he might be lying to me so
1: <laughs> yeah i mean anything um i'm up for whatever if anyone has any questions obviously you know i like to hunt and fish and all that fun stuff too so killed a big buck last year so that was good
0: tyler bob wants to know your favorite cars to take pictures of
1: uh and that's a good question um yeah you know, i tell you what i get really giddy thinking about shooting 410 sprint cars i really do they're just they're badass. Um, those are, you know, they're, they're great. The Modifieds, obviously, are really cool, too. But, you know, there's nothing like there's nothing like going 130 miles an hour into a corner completely, like, out of control but in control. Um, so, Sprint Cars really offer a lot of those really cool, unique, um, offer those really cool, really unique um, op photo opportunities.
2: I'll ask you a question. Yeah. I think Ryan Gustin's coming up on his 100th USMTS yes. victory. Where yep. do you think that's going to happen at?
1: Um... I think it's going to be on a track that is going to be maybe a little wet, a little heavy. I think that's when Ryan Gustin is, is his best. Um, I would say, cause he's at 99 right now, right? I think he, so. 99 or 98. Um, Fergus falls, I think would be a really, I think that could be a possibility. I think, uh, I 35 speedway would be another good one.
0: You think that far out, you think it's going to take him out? I kind of think it'll be humble. You
1: can, know, humble. Uh, be good. Yes. Humble. be very, it would be a good one. Um, you know the USMTS product alone is just really good right now. There's a lot of drivers that can win. Jake O'Neill, you know, Derek Ramirez picked off a couple of them. Of course, Rodney Sanders, Gus, and Marriott. Um, I, you know, the racetracks that we're going to this weekend. I think, you know, I think you're going to see Hunter Marriott finish towards the top of the front. Hunter Marriott's very, very, very good in the slick, um, and I think when we were at 81 earlier in the year. Um, you know, Hunter had a really good run there, and I think that with that track slicking off, they could be good. Humboldt, it can get really slick. I don't know if they got any rain or not as of lately, but Humboldt would be a really good track too. So
0: I may be wrong saying this, but I think Ryan Gustin's first USMTS win came at Monette.
1: Okay, yeah. He's sitting
0: there running there Sunday. Uh, he won in the family-owned car, the white, it was what was all white car. I'm pretty sure it was the last year that he may have been two years before he started driving for Gressel. He was in a Shryok car at that yeah, time. Yeah, that orange. Okay. So okay. I'm kinda, I, I geeked out over that because I got to see him win his very first late model race at Springfield. So yep. I got, felt pretty fortunate to get to see both of those because he's my favorite. Kenton Allen says, you're the golf cart wheelie king. What's that all about? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: that was Deer Creek <laughs> Fall Jamboree uh, two years ago. We... Um, had some adult beverages after the race and there was a bunch of people on the golf cart. Um, and we had a wheelie like it, I mean, it went pretty far. <laughs> it was funny. So I have a golf cart that I drive around and, um, one of the reasons why, um, I decided I would like to get a golf cart courtesy of Olds guards, auto sales and decor where you can find all your, all your <laughs> golf cart uh, services and needs. So shout out to those guys who for hooking me up. But, uh, um, uh, it's just so much better to to be able to walk across racetracks and everything else. And like, dude, like I'm a big guy, so like, walking sometimes can be pretty difficult for me. Like, yeah, where <laughs> we're at, you know, like you get some of these big tracks and they just water the racetrack and it's steep, and you're like walking across and you're like, dude, like I'm going to totally biff it right here and land on my <laughs> ass. Like this is bad. So I had a golf cart. I have had it for a couple years and everything else. We did a wheelie there, but um, at Danbury. But so the last. It, a really fun fact that I, i'm really taking pride to is uh, master's weekend a uh, couple or last month and a half um at cedar lake speedway i actually brought we had 12 people on my golf cart back into the pits from the party arena yeah. and like that's a that's i think that's personally like a pretty good Pretty good accomplishment Have
0: you been to Batesville before?
1: I haven't. Okay, I haven't. they
0: got a huge ass hill going into the grandstands. And yeah, it was uh, the Race for Hope is probably two weeks after Super Nationals. So everybody was still partied out, except for these guys that were from Arkansas, and we had <laughs> eleven of them on that. We had to push the golf cart up the hill because it was smoking the belt on the way up. Uh huh. But we got all eleven of them on it and went down that hill. And I forgot there was a dude on the roof. And he was going haywire when we got to the bottom of it. It was swerving back and forth. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it because the steering on the golf course was kind of sloppy. I know. you. Yeah, you're so right. I couldn't do anything about it. So if we wrecked, we'd still be wrecking. But that dude on top got off, and he wouldn't even talk to us. He just walked straight back to the trailer. He was done. He, didn't he was like, that's Anything a, to do with it. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy on here that just asked, are you colorblind?
1: Uh, yeah. So, so, I, so I am. That's
0: an interesting question because that's – it's got to make this stuff way harder.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, it's only, a, it's a pretty mild case. Um, I actually just was at the eye doctor the other day and they're like, Hey, you need to come back in and get like checked up or whatever and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but I found out when I was a senior in high school, I got glasses for the first time and they had, you know, these, the, the colorblind test and there was like 36 different questions that are like going through and I failed like 12 of them. Um, so it's a pretty mild case. I can still see colors just fine and stuff like that, but it's when the colors start to blend together and how they're shaded and in, the, in the light and stuff like that. It's so like when I shoot a deer, I have to have somebody help you know track it for or help me look for it because I can't see the blood on the leaves really? and that's, that's yeah, so I actually so it kind of goes back into the racing. So I did um I did uh, um, Chris Jackson's Hero Cards a couple of years ago, and this is when he had, one of the really difficult colors for me is you get that red-orange, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I can't, I can never depict if it's orange or if it's red, and I know some people are kind of like that, too, you know? So, I did Chris Jackson's Hero Cards and the designed them up, they were cool, they were badass, and everything else, and I put some red in them, because I thought it was red, and I, like, everything was all red and everything else, and I sent it to, to Crystal, be Chris's wife, and I'm like, hey, what, what do you think of these cards? And they're like, and she's like, yeah, these are really cool, but his car is orange, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit!" I'm sorry, you know. And so, like that—that that, you know—that's that time. And there's been another time that's been similar to that. That's the only time I've really ever had hiccups. Um, Travis Cushion again, um, going back to him. Um, when I was talking with him a couple years ago about photos and stuff like that, you'll see that my photos have a little bit more saturation and vibrance to them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I knew that you had some color difficulties just because your photos are like sometimes more saturated than everybody else's Now, i mean that's true like i really try to bring out the color in a yeah. lot of stuff so
0: you have to harden the edges whenever you add saturation do you add do you harden the edges on that stuff to define the color just a little bit to try to help out
1: yeah and you know i always like try to make sure that like lights i always add like a blue hue to them so i can see you know so you can see the lights a little bit better um sunsets i always try to add oranges to them and you know the clarity and and the sharpness of the photo too like i'll you know adjust those settings when i get into the and and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely saying there's definitely been a lot of photos that I've completely like oversaturated and um, added the vibrance to them like a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, it's well,
0: that's interesting. I have no idea. That's got to make things. I mean, I, I, you, <clears throat> you say it makes it difficult, but it's just second nature. You just work around it. I work around it. Yeah,
1: Photoshop, especially. You can I can like pick the colors out. You know, like in cars and stuff like that. So I can use that to you know get the color co- coordination right. Um, but like when you, when I take a Chris Jackson photo like that, where there was that orange and the red and I oversaturate it, mm-hmm. it makes that red
2: or orange. L- orange. Right.
0: Gray. Right. So
2: there's, I like this. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go I ahead. was going to say, I like Tim Evans question. What track would you love to see USMTS run at that they don't currently or haven't in a while? Mine would, if I could host or promote a race <laughs> anywhere, definitely Belleville High Banks. I wish they yeah. could go back out there. Place is unbelievable. And Oatana too, as we yeah. mentioned up there.
1: Yeah. Um, I got to say, you know, because it's right on the top of my head and I actually had this conversation uh, this weekend with somebody. Um, Furberry was the first Illinois track that I've ever been to. So I, have a, I keep a list of tracks I go to and I'm at like 58, 56 now, excuse me, or 57, somewhere around there. And um, Furberry was the first track I went to in Illinois and I would love to see us branch out into that Illinois indiana area um, michigan you know there's some you know we have some sponsors in michigan so it'd be really great to get up into michigan
0: didn't they run i-96 or something in michigan yeah
1: like, and it, yeah that was that was well, like a long time ago
0: yeah yeah that's yeah i'm hunting that site a lot yeah as a kid. yeah
1: <laughs> so. i mean there's so many great racetracks in illinois you got furberry and, and farmer city and tri-state and you know belleville and like i mean there's i mean there's kankakee and i mean there's so many really cool racetracks
0: Do you think those up-on-the-wheel racetracks, those is just going to divide the crazies in the USMTS from the the bottom guys? You know what I'm saying? It's going to amplify Ryan Gustin? Yeah, oh, I I tell you
1: what. I tell you what. Ryan Gustin would pull onto that racetrack at Furberry, and I guarantee you that spoiler would be ripped off coming out of four Uh, during the parade lap. During the parade (laughs) lap, that spoiler's gone.
0: Creek County race, he made it wild. Yeah. Because him running the fence in three and four had me actually Sam, I was getting wound up because he he was getting wilder and wilder, and it was – I don't know. When he pulled to the
2: bottom, I was like, ah. That's oh, good oh man. Ah, Broke yeah, my shoot. Heart. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Atchison County that they went to. Yeah, also, Atchison. Which yeah. is closed, I guess, but it was a fifth mile. Yeah, that was a bad. That race was cool. yeah, yeah, that was
1: really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Joe Duvall, he's in. Oh, my gosh. Being the new media guy for
0: USMTS, what's the most challenging thing to try and overcome?
1: Um, I say the challenging, most challenging thing to overcome is completely capturing the night. Um, you know, when I go, so like when I went to Furberry on Saturday night, I had free reign to do whatever I wanted, wherever I wanted, how I wanted, you know, that was my night. Um, I didn't go in there with any goals. I didn't go in there with any expectations. I didn't go in there to shoot specific stuff. When I go to USMTS race, um, I always want to make sure that I have, there's photos that I need to get. I need to get victory lane. I need to get sponsored logos, photos. I want photos of, um, you know, of the, of the, uh, Risco stickers and the Casey stickers and stuff like that. You know, there's a list that I have to do. So. When I do that, it also takes away from capturing the vent to an extent. Mm -hmm. And I always say the hardest thing for me is that when I'm at my best is when I focus specifically on video or focus specifically on on pictures. And um, I would love to get a photo of a guy climbing on top of his car celebrating his win. I would love to get both pictures and video of that, but I can only do one at a time. So trying to adjust accordingly to figure out what do I need for that and how can I accomplish that, that's definitely the hardest thing.
0: Logan Martin's got a good one too, and he's up next for the podcast stuff. Um, what's the most underrated track you've been to this year?
1: Underrated track that I've been to this year. Um, you know, I, it's not underrated, but Arcata was just blew my mind. Um, that was the first time I have ever been there, and that's like I said, that's not an underrated race track. Badass. Yeah, Arcata is <laughs> really cool, and you know, of course, spending spending the week at the the Horseshoe Casino. Um, was <laughs> I was ready to get out of there, and you we know, had all the tornado outbreaks and everything else that we were dealing and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think one of the most underrated racetracks um, that we go to, and I wish it get a little bit more national spotlight. And you know. It's crazy, like, when I talk with tracks back home with people. Some of these people have never even heard of these racetracks. Likewise, if I start naming off racetracks back home, like, you guys don't know them. You know, it's just where you're at in the area. So, obviously, you guys really know this racetrack quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I think Tri-State. I love Tri-State. I really do. Yeah. I think Tri-State is an, was an, is an awesome racetrack. I think the facilities are, are really cool and really unique. And it seems like every time we go there, we get some really, really good racing. And um, you know, last year we were there, and Zach Vanderbeek passed Rodney Sanders on on the last lap.
0: And an uncharacteristic Zach Vanderbeek it, race track right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly.
1: You know, this year it slicked off from top to bottom, and you had Hunter Marriott coming through, mm-hmm. and you know, and winning that race and and all that stuff. So I really, really love Tri-State Speedway and and what it brings to the table.
0: I'm trying to get some more questions here. We're getting, I'm getting down to the end. Though. We might shut it down here in a few minutes. We'll give it like five. Five more minutes, if you guys want to ask some stuff. It's getting getting
2: a little bit late too. Decor is really cool. Yeah, it's like right in town. I always yep. thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have a really unique track back home, the Upper Iowa Speedway. It's along the Upper Iowa uh, Upper Iowa River, hence Upper Iowa Speedway, Upper Iowa River, um, Bluff Country. It's right in town, so yeah, we get like noise complaints and stuff like that. um If the track. If the moisture in the track can stay there just long enough for the modified for the feature to get done, then the modified feature would be okay. In you know, the past couple of years, we've been able to, the track prep has definitely, um, excuse me, been on point to where we can really make the track fun and, and raceable and stuff like that. But it has locked down, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, when the USMTS comes to town, that's, my, that's one of my favorite races of the year because it's my home track, you know? I live five blocks away from that track.
0: I got two things I want to okay. ask while we're, while we're all out loud. Um, I ask this about every person we have on here. What would you change in the state of dirt track racing right now to make it more appealing, better, whether it be time management, track conditions, concessions? What, what, what was one yeah. thing that stands out more than?
1: Right. You know, I really hate, and to, to put this as lightly as possible, I hate when tracks dick around.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I really hate when tracks dick around. I really do. And especially, you know, if we, if we know that weather's, weather is going to be an, an, an immediate factor. And um, I look at a couple of racetracks this year and I'm thinking like, man, if this is my first time at a dirt racetrack, like I don't think I'd ever want to come back because I've Absolutely. wasted so much time. Absolutely. And, you know, if the whatever class is a highlighted class of, of the night, and I'm not talking weekly, I'm talking about if there's a traveling series in town. I don't care what it is. It could be the World of all of sprint cars. It could be the, um, the USAC midgets, whatever. And if there's weather coming, who cares get the, get that race in like mm-hmm. that's what everyone come to see tonight is 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 those USAC midgets get that race in and um, you know it's, it's it's hard because you're not in the minds of the promoters and like what they're trying to do and how they want to accomplish things and everything else and um, I mean, I've definitely there's been times I kind of like bit my tongue like hey come on like let's go like obviously you can see there's a thunderstorm coming like let's get these modifieds on the track let's run a four laps then whatever happens happens mm-hmm. you know um so that's the biggest thing
0: i agree they did that last year at the show me uh weather was moving thursday night yeah their mo- weather was moving in or i thought you know, it was looking pretty rough and they i went, went to staging three times austin mm-hmm. and they just pushed the late models on a little more and more and while it was frustrating because we wanted to race on the other side of the token people came to watch the watch late the models right they can right. watch modifieds every other week so. for sure
2: what do you think tracks could do to create a better show. I know like Gateway's is a really good example and they've got yeah. a dome, obviously that helps, but yeah, right. Humboldt, I thought did a really good job with their driver intros for King of America and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I any know, ideas there
1: for sure. I, you know, I, you, you, travel around enough, you kind of start generating like wild ideas in your head and like what you can do to promote. And like I said, each big event has something different that I really like, you know, falls has those flatheads and they have the suave talk and, and all that stuff too. And, I think big. The big thing is is for the track is like find something that's unique and what works for you. The um, the USRA nationals, excuse me, the USA nationals at Cedar Lake for the late models. They have an incredibly cool um, driver introduction. They shut the track lights down. Everyone gets like light up glasses and they have them on and they have a spotlight and you know be like, you know here comes Scott Bloomquist, blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, boo, yay. You know, and you can't, you know. If I ever race, by the way, if I ever race, to get to the point, this happened at at Jackson Nationals this year, Donnie Schatz lost an engine leading. And the crowd booed. Like, the crowd booed, you know, and like the same thing with like Bloomquist and Bobby Pierce. Like, when they're introducing people and they're like, boo, you know, everything else. I want to get to that point. If I ever race, I want to get booed. Because if you get booed, <laughs> if you get booed, that means you've, You've done something. That probably doesn't mean you've wrecked people's shit, but it means like you've <laughs> won a lot of races, you know. So I want to
2: get to that point where I get booed. But anyway, going back to your point. Um, <laughs> to be fair, for Bloomquist, they're saying bloom. Blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: But, uh, um, you know, find out what makes, you know, do something that makes you unique and what people are going to remember the most about, about, that, about that event.
2: And the drivers can help it too. I know uh, Chad Wheeler and Joe Duvall both, they did burnouts and were really exciting when they won at Lucas Oil Speedway this year right. and the yeah. crowd just ate it up. I mean, right. that's, that's I something cool. <laughs> I can't wait for a yeah, I, yeah. Stone I, Cold Steve Austin on the yeah. front <laughs> I, If I ever
0: win a race at Wheatland, I'm going to have to buy grass seed. Because I'm gonna, gonna go melt the infield really, down. Oh yeah, Dan's yeah. gonna be pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the car's so not going. The car's not gonna run when I get done. It's yeah, be tore all the pieces. That's mark. The, mark my words, I'll turn over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I win the race. <laughs> <it will. laughs>
1: Infields, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's going Yeah, you
1: yeah. know, and this is. I don't know if there's any more questions or anything, but I, you know, I really judge racetracks off a couple different things. I judge it off of um, how exciting the race was, the racing facility, the surface what kind of photo opportunities that racetrack can provide. Tri-State is incredible. Tri-State provides me with so many different opportunities. That's why I really like it. But I also, too, there's also points that are deducted if there's no porta potty in the infield. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Oh, really? Oh, 100%. <laughs> Never thought about that. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. There was I had a bad moment at Cedar Lake Masters a couple couple years ago. And I don't know, maybe we can end on the story, Ryan. But... Um, <clears throat> so I'm a huge like spice guy. Like I love spicy food, and um, <clears throat> so we go out and we go to this Champ Sports Bar in New Richmond, and um, and I have this like jalapeno Southwest burger. I freaking love it. I got like the hot sauce for it. Fuck, like, sorry, freaking <laughs> awesome. Sorry, freaking awesome. <laughs> and I go out and I have like two Mountain Dews or whatever. I'm feeling great. So we go. We go to Cedar Lake. And we're at Cedar Lake, and this is a Saturday night for USA Nationals, and there's like 15,000 people at the Cedar Lake Speedway. Front stretch is packed, back stretch is packed, cars everywhere, drivers, media outlets, everything. There's no porta potty in the infield. That's fine. I kind of know like when, you know, something's brewing. Like, this might be TMI. <laughs> so, so, so we're, so we're down, we're down in the, um, we're down in the infield, and, uh, and I just guessed. That. I said, "No, Rankin, not the story." But well, this is this is this is this is a great story. I really do. So we're down. The, we're, <laughs> this is this is the daily life of Tyler Rankin right now as a photographer, right? So we're down in the infield, and they're starting to do the national anthem. Well, you're close. You're close to. Uh, you're close to um, Canada. So they're doing the national anthem, and literally start the national anthem. Like my stomach drops, dude. It goes from like normal to like my feet, and like all of a sudden that southwest chilly. Whatever jalapeno triple heat burger, like hit my stomach. Like it was like, it was bad. It was now. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I literally thought to myself, I'm like, I can't believe this. Like I'm going to shit my pants in front of 15,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no porta potty in the infield. So I was like, shit. Pun intended. And so I'm like standing there and I forgot that they did the Canadian national anthem. So the national anthem like starts up and they get done with it. And I'm like waddling across. This is pre golf carts. So I didn't have my golf cart. So I'm like waddling across the embankments, the corner one, to get off the racetrack to go into like to go to the bathroom and the pits. And I'm like halfway across the racetrack, and then the guy's like, "Oh no, the Canadian national anthem." And I'm like, "Oh my god! Like I'm so vulnerable right now because, like, like I'm going to either respect our friends and neighbors to the north, <laughs> and stand here and completely like shit my pants." Or I'm going to walk off the racetrack in disrespect to save myself from shitting my pants in front of 15,000 people. So I stayed there and respected the Canadian national anthem. And it was, I mean, I was sweating so bad. Like it was so freaking bad. And I eventually made it off the racetrack and... Um, I made it to the bathroom, and, like, I told myself that I will never, ever on race day ever have any spicy food ever again, especially tracks that I don't know whether or not they have, like, porter potties there. But that was, that's a story of me being within, like, 30 seconds of shitting my pants in front of 15,000 people.
0: Well, I was going to ask what your most embarrassing moment of the racetrack Yeah,
1: was. oh, yeah, that was. we there. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That was bad. I haven't fallen or anything like that yet. Oh, no, I know. I think back. Mississippi Thunder. There's like a hole in front of like the, the uh, um, hole in front of like the victory lane. I like stepped in it one night and like fell into like the side of the guy's race car. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I knew who the guy was. He's was like, yeah. Like I hit it. You know, like dented it. And he like looked at me and he's like. He's like, what the heck, man? And I'm like, dude, there's a hole there. Like, can't you see it? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I'm not like going up there just to like fall into your race car on purpose. But I, like I said, I knew the driver. So it was kind of, it was, you know, it was kind of funny or whatever. But so.
2: Well. What would it take to get you in the diamond bar after the races Saturday night? do a little karaoke
1: it wouldn't take much it honestly wouldn't okay. <laughs> yeah it, it wouldn't it wouldn't take much are you
0: a no alcohol karaoke guy does it matter does it help does it
1: hurt? no yeah i can so Rackhouse house humboldt speedway um i see there's some some fans tuning in for humboldt and i can't wait to
2: get there this week rack house i don't even think that's a karaoke bar I no think it was just singing it was it was
1: singing it was one night
2: it was okay so
1: so we <laughs> just a normal pool was just a pool hall. so they're singing karaoke and i'm like sign up like hell yeah i'm gonna bring this place down like i'm gonna saying we didn't start the fire like, literally, the fire department's going to call because this bitch is going to burn down. Like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so I go up and I, like, sign up, you know, and I, like, I just, like, sign in. I'm, like, because I was a DD that night because it was, it was pre-King of America this year. So I had, there was, we had a couple drivers that were with us. You know, Zach Vanderbeek was there. And then... um I can't remember someone else was there with us, but of course, like Ryan Wentworth and then Raven Wentworth, uh, Ryan's younger sister, and and Shannon, who also runs the the uh, the, pit, uh, the pit concession stands in the back, and um and uh, so I go and I sign up and I go back and I'm like yeah, I'm gonna sing karaoke and they're like okay whatever cool like no big deal and then it gets my turn so I get called up there and this is anything like Charlotte by the way this is like this is probably the lowest crowd that I've ever sang karaoke for
0: what kind of numbers are we talking
1: oh <laughs> uh, maybe hundred. No, 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 no. That's no. a lot. No, probably like 30, 40 people.
2: That's a big difference.
1: Yeah, that's a big difference. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I over-exaggerated it. It was probably like 30, probably like 30 40 people, yeah. So I go up. That chanute crowd. Yeah. So, so, I, so I go up, and the first thing i do is like I'm going to embarrass the heck of not only Ryan Wentworth, but his sister Raven. Because everyone Raven's like really cute and everything else. And like, oh, my gosh, yeah. So I take the mic. And I go up and I said, I want to dedicate this song to the love of my, love of my life, Raven Wentworth. <laughs> and she's, like, got like really red. And everyone's, like, oh, that's, like, so cute, you know? And stuff." So like, Raven knows everybody that's in there, you know? <laughs> so, this, here comes this 300-pound man that's going to sing this song to Raven Wentworth. <laughs> so, I go up. And so, the girl that's running the karaoke bar, the girl that's running the karaoke is, like, like, live streaming, like, on their page or whatever. I didn't know that at the time. So, she's, like, filming at you and stuff. And I'm like, you know, again, not looking at the words. I kind know of, every word is, we didn't start to fire by Billy Joel. So I know it's, so I'm nailing it. And I get done and like people were like clapping and cheering and everything else. Like, holy shit, this guy can't believe it, you know, and stuff like that. And I get back there and this guy's like standing there by the door and he's like, he's like, man, he's like, I didn't know anyone knew every word to that song. And I was like, yeah, like I do. He's like, I thought that was only Billy Joel. And I'm like, no man, Tyler Rankin does too. <laughs> <laughs> so like we were, we were, we were like, Playing pool and stuff like that, and hanging out, and people were singing. Everyone was doing a really shitty job. Like, I mean, I was like second to none, <laughs> you know. thought
0: brash about it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like I just blew this roof off. Like, there's no reason why I should not be on the Voice like tomorrow. A hundred people were on their feet. <laughs> so, so I'm, so I'm like standing there and I'm like shooting pool or whatever. And I get this like tap on my shoulder, and I like turn around. And it's like this elderly lady and her husband or whatever, and she's like, she's like, hey, did you sing karaoke? And I said, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I saw it on Facebook Live. She's like, I saw it on Facebook Live. And we decided to come down because like, it looked like it was a lot of fun. And so, so Zach Vanderbeek was standing right next to me. I like, look at Zach, and he like, looks back at me, and he's like, unbelievable, dude. And he like, walks away. And the lady, I was like, well, I was, like, what did you think of the performance? She's like, oh, it was great. Like, I, you know, it was awesome. And she's like, it looked like it was a lot of fun, so that's why we come down tonight. So I physically brought people to the rack house in Chinook, Kansas with my karaoke performance. How late are they open on Friday nights? I don't. know. Well, I don't know because we're at Humboldt Speedway.
0: But <laughs> shameless plug: karaoke yeah, <laughs> at the
1: party barn. Karaoke oh, yeah, at the party barn. Yeah, um, but that was you know that was a ton of fun. It really was.
0: Man, I wish to God I didn't have to work tomorrow. We'd be going friends. We might, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might even stop in just to get one performance in and go home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Uh,
0: I, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> There is no shame in your karaoke game. No,
1: no, absolutely. In, in all, because in the reason for it is I only have... There's only like two songs I sing. Um, we Didn't Start Fire by Billy Joel and Stacey's Mom. I love... <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And the thing about We Didn't Start Fire by Billy Joel is the fact that literally nobody on earth knows the words to the song besides Billy Joel and myself.
2: It's not an easy one <laughs> to no, sing, it's, I
1: don't it's, think. No, it's not. It really isn't. I mean, I can... I mean, it's, it's, it's really not. And so, like, when I go up there to sing it, people are like holy shit, like this guy is like really good, yeah, so when I was in elementary school, uh, excuse me, when I was in uh, high school, goodness, when I was in high school freshman year, we had to like memorize a verse, and like look up like what all of the stuff was, and it was cool, it was great, well of course I didn't pay attention, so I I was like a jackass, and I did like the wrong verse, so I did like this whole verse or whatever, and then like got time to turn in the assignment, the teacher's like, hey, you did the wrong verse, like can you do this verse? I'm like, shit. So I go back that night, and I go back and learn that verse. So I'm like, well hey, if I got two of, these, two of the six verses down, or two of the five verses or whatever it is, I'm like, just spend time like, learning the next three or four. So then I just had the song on repeat, looked up the lyrics, started singing, learning it and everything else. Ever since freshman year of high school, I've gotten to know like every word of that song.
0: I don't guess I've ever heard it. You got thirty-second cut. <laughs> I. Yeah.
1: How many people? How many people are listening? That's why I'm, I've never. I
0: don't know. I 26. couple hundred. A little more than Humboldt Bar. A little bit more than Humboldt <laughs> <laughs> Bar. We just lost two people. We just lost two people. Oh, well, perfect. Well, yeah.
1: Well, those two people can, you know, won't be getting in my royalties. We <laughs> <love> <laughs> that, yeah. We're
0: right, right now at forty-four.
1: Right now, forty-four that's, people. That's
0: no. Oh, no big deal from NASCAR banquet.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so I'll do, I'll do the first, I'll do the first verse. All right, not looking. You, you guys can attest that I'm not looking at anything. All right, you ready? <clears throat> Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red, China, Johnny Wayne, South Pacific, Walter Mitchell, Joe DiMaggio, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker Television, North Korea, South Korea, Maryland, Monroe, Rosenberg's H-Bomb, Sugar Ray, Palajon, Brand, Nova King and I, and the Catcher in the right, Eisenhower Vaccine, England's Got a New Queen, Mochiana, Liberace, Sapphiana, Goodbye, We Didn't Start the Fire. So it goes in. So that's the first verse of We Didn't Start the Fire.
0: Excellent. Well, we only lost uh, one person during that. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we better call it quits on that. That's good enough. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the live segment. Well, if there got anything you want to say in closing, we're almost two hours.
1: Two hours, man. That's a long podcast. It's crazy. Uh, no, I just uh, like I said, I appreciate you guys, and and it's definitely a lot of fun. And I mean, I can tell stories and talk about stuff, you know, um, for a long time. So. But uh, I appreciate you guys letting me come in tonight and on the, on the whim and everything else. And definitely if I'm back in the area, we'll have to come back again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely the funnest one we've had. That's yes, for sure. <laughs> and if I can ask one favor, it's get a little pool on any traveling guy you're with. See if he's interested in doing it. We'll catch up with him at some point. We'll y- yeah, for sure. Make it worth their while. Yeah, <laughs> no. sing to him and we'll bring him something. <laughs> 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 so, right on. Well, Tyler, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys.